Hey pals, now I know you're all probably getting your gobs around that WrestleMania 14 Part 2 Redux Definitive Edition Mahan Bibolo Keeble Cut, but we thought we'd be the kind of guys who'd give you seven and a bit hours of audio in a simul dump. This is the best of the WWA, the World Wrestling All Sorts slash All Stars. This was the series that Adam and I started way, way back in the before times, and once it came into old pandemic era, we ended up watching and reviewing every single one of these pay-per-views, and here they all are now, nicely cut up and surmised into a best of by our good pal, as always, my main man, and back at it again, AJMediaProductions.co.uk. Hey, if you're based in the UK and need a man who's amazing at editing, amazing at filming, amazing at putting together a show, this is your man, and has been an absolute godsend and a backup editor for us for many, many years. He has worked with wrestling promotions and companies up and down the country, and and he certainly is a jack-of-all-trades. I'd like to have a big shout-out and thank you to Ant again for doing this massive undertaking, for getting five episodes, which is, I think, nearly 15 to 20 hours worth of audio, and condensing it down into this very long best-of. I'm really excited for those of you who maybe have not seen the WWE episodes to listen to this and get a flavour of the pure insanity that happened down in Australia. It is an oft-overlooked piece of wrestling history and an absolute wild ride that has everything that you love to hate about the great sport of professional wrestling contained within. So, yeah, let's take it back. Three years ago is when it first started, but enjoy this, the best of the WWA, and don't forget to check out that season finale that's come as well. A big shout-out and thank you, as always, to everyone who's listened and supported. And don't forget, you can back us at patreon.com forward slash podcast and get a whole bunch of other audio content as well. But for now, let's settle in and head back down under with a bag of cash in hand for the WWA. Soto Special Edition. We're here. It's the WWA. It is the Inception. Adam, what in God's name is going on? I don't know. Why are we here, Kevin? Did, well, it, did anyone ask for this? Um, no. <laughs> but I realise now we can't have much recourse to complain when people do things like vote for episodes like Great American Bash or mm-hmm. Ryback's Book Report mm-hmm. when we opt ourselves mm-hmm. to go for the self-flagellation that is WWA, the inception. However, once again, I'm Cowboy Kevin Mahan traipsing through Australia uh. where there were some cowboy goings on. Joined as I am, as always by Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hey, Adam. Hello. So, this is an interesting one, eh? We've uh, we've come to the end of season three. Mm-hmm. The dust is settling. We're looking forward to pastures anew. But the siren call of 2001 is a little bit too alluring. Why is this a thing that exists? And what is it? This is pure unfinished business for us, isn't it, really? Like, kind of is, yeah. You can't really be done with the invasion until you've finished off these little stragglers like this one. It kind of feels like it's in Toy Story, right? And all the toys that went off and had a really fucking rotten time, a real shit adventure, right? Like in Toy Story 3, right? And that, that is the invasion. 
But at the same time, some of the beloved toys you've forgotten about from the first one. Where are they? They're in the fucking landfill about to be set on fire. Oh. What's happened to the other toys? That's why we're here mm -hmm. in Australia of all places. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if it's for mental well-being, for uh, sharing the load. <laughs> but um, Adam, you've opted to do a little bit of research about WWA. Uh, this is World Wrestling All-Stars. 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 Now, we are current point in time we we're around the same point when the invasion ended right we're around tail end of 2001 like october november yeah time. this pay-per-view we're looking at today is like pretty much where the invasion's wrapping up basically so before we did this what i knew about wwa was that it was in some senses a precursor to tna mm -hmm. in that a lot of the same people were involved who kind of had a big money man behind them in this organization for whatever reason Things didn't pan out here, and then the the bones, the charred remains of this went on to become the ossified husk that was early days yeah. TNA. Now, names that are floating around in my head to do with this, uh, Jeremy Borash, mm -hmm. Jeff Jarrett, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to assume Vince Russo had some involvement. Uh-huh. Really? Yep. Oh my God. And big money man, Andrew McManus of Australia fame. I mean, he's the kingpin of this whole operation, pretty much, Kevin. Yeah, and if you've watched Daredevil on Netflix, the moniker of kingpin is apropos <laughs> of fucking nothing. I don't know much about Andrew McManus because I did the research on the company and you did the research on the man. And I don't know anything about him except that you're alluding to his dodginess and I'm fucking anxious to find out what's wrong with him. Okay, we'll sprinkle in some stuff along the way. Oh yeah, just tease us. Like. Yeah, I'll, I'll tease us, but I'll tell you what I know on this front here, okay? This was essentially, in the same vein as XWF, hey, there's WWF, we've got one company now, there yep. shouldn't be one company, that's not healthy, so we need another company to get the guys who maybe aren't over in XWF and who aren't in WWE, and we're going to get those guys, and we're going to do a touring show, and this had a lot of money behind it, and they... Plan this out to be like kind of a, a global brand, so to speak. Yeah, it's that kind of premise where it's sort of like WWF is the one big company and we're not trying to compete with WWF. We wanted to make an alternative for the fans. And it's exactly the same as the XWF. Like, it's just straight, you're giving me that look right now where it's like, was that Jimmy Hart or was that Jerry Lawler? No, that, that's <laughs> definitely Jimmy Hart. Yeah? I, was just, I was just wondering if you, by saying that, if Brian Knobs is going to smash and go, oh, so as well. Oh, Kurt Hennig. Kurt Hennig. <laughs> Long time for much. <laughs> I really like the analogy you say about this sort of like the bones being resurrected and turned into TNA because it does feel like there was when WWF became the one big company there was always some sort of like shambling zombie of another company that was trying to keep up whether it was XWF or the WWA or the Rodman down under I Generation I think they were don't called don't you like, fucking say you say that name three times I'll appear in your bathroom mirror and I'll fucking review it yeah? I've done the research mate we can't get into this without talking about Rodman down under oh my like, goodness they're intertwined Kevin they are one and the same so yeah it is strange because it always felt there was as you said like another company that was kind of shambling around trying to kind of get shit together mm. and while very much the analogy for maybe ecw was over in philadelphia you had the likes of ring of honor and czw with a little bit more of a grassroots movement yep. this is the old school way in terms of how we thought things worked in the mid to late 90s big money comes in big stars big arenas yep. big shows big tours like 
overhead. Yes. That is how you make a wrestling spend, company. Spend, 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 spend. Yeah, ATM mm. Eric is fucking nothing on ATM Andrew McManus. <laughs> Let me tell you something, right? His middle name may be Turnbull, so uh, it could work out that it works as a nice ATM moniker. I'm going to check that later. <laughs> so all I know about Andrew McManus is that when I first read the kind of press releases and stuff from WWA, it was a legendary Australian music and rock promoter Andrew McManus. Yep. And then when I did my subsequent Googling of him, it was controversial <laughs> rock promoter Andrew McManus. Okay. So he's a big money man for this. Yes. And he brought the likes of Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, Lenny Kravitz, ZZ Top, all the bands your dad likes, he mm-hmm. brought them to Australia. Yep. So your dad in Australia is got to be fucking grateful that Andrew McManus is putting bread and butter on the table for him. Yeah. Now, somewhere along the way, this gentleman was indicted, I think it was 2014, Ooh. on money laundering oh. and international drug trafficking. Oh, wow! Yeah. Hubba, hubba. That's way spicier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's pretty fucking scary stuff. Like, there is a whole web involving this guy with vast quantities of unmarked bills being found in his hotel room. <laughs> Two occasions he was found with nearly 700,000 Australian dollars unaccounted for on his person in a hotel room. Holy fuck. Listening to his confessions and stuff or his... His inter- confessions? Yeah, he rang up the police because it was international stuff. He like ended up like ringing the police to kind of like go, look, you can have me because I don't want to like be... Like Patrick Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> I killed some guy with a dog. <laughs> Played around with the brains a little. <laughs> so he explained like the 700 grand he was found with. It was like that money, right? It was to pay Lenny Kravitz, but ZZ Top gave it to me. And oh, don't all, you drag them into this. There is, there's all this like long chain. And I, I, I gave up trying to follow because it's literally like that money is belonging to him and he gave me that to pay them. And it's all like Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses, fucking Slash gave me a million quid. And it's like, why is all this happening? And there is hundreds of thousands of dollars from legitimate, terrifying Australian fucking biker gangs jesus biker gangs gangs. what the fuck i've heard of biker mice from mars (laughs) i never heard no biker mice fucking drug trafficking from australia so it's true what they say if you ever take the trip down to brisbane (laughs) australia you better read the sentence respect the law and order use of hard time (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh 2014 he, he he went down for a lot of that so. is he in jail now he is in jail holy shit but he was also at the same time all this is going down he's still promoting festivals oh my he's god promoting music like he's still he's a massive name and i think it's just one of those cases of when you are kind of a singularity i think like, you know he was he was the guy you know rock music australia live events one guy yeah andrew mcmahon and I think when you are that kind of singularity and you're somewhere maybe like slightly isolated like Australia, mm. it's kind of just like, yeah, that untouchable... I can get away with anything. Like. And he did for yeah. a long time. And all while this was happening, I don't want to like, you know, bog us down in the fine details, but it just is important to know that all the research you've done and everything we're talking about in the WWA is potentially taking place on the backdrop of international drug trafficking <laughs> and money laundering. <laughs> And biker gangs and Lenny Kravitz. But I, I don't know, even like Lenny Kravitz. 
Not to spoil anything, but I don't want to watch this again, but now I kind of do want to watch it again, knowing that, to see if there's any clues on the show. <laughs> yeah, this ain't like XWF where it's like a one and done son. This is a... Uh, this thing went on for a bit, right? Yeah, and, you know, let's be honest, if this goes well, then chances are we might be looking at this WWE business somewhere again down the line. There's five pay-per-views in total they got done. I think it's only fair, right? Because we, you and I, like to do, as a little treat on the side, we like to do the UK pay-per-views. Yeah. And unfortunately... Season 3 offered scant, if any. I think there was like one UK pay Rebellion, yeah. Yeah, so I figured this, like, Australia, it's it's part of the Commonwealth, in it? Yep. I'm sure your hands are bloody by association yep. somehow. Yep. Something bad happened over there. I'm yeah, we did sure. terrible things, of course. Like. Yeah, you know, Australia, when you and I meet up in the, uh, you know, fucked over by the Empire Anonymous meeting, June 6th. <laughs> 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 at the Travel Lodge in Milton Keynes. <laughs> there will be finger yeah, food. It takes place in England. Oh, yeah, obviously. Home turf, man. Like, you know, rub it in the face. Like you a know? splinter cell. Like, we're here all along. <laughs> yeah, so I figured this might take place as a nice kind of side venture for you and I. Yeah, you can keep having little trips back to Australia to see how they're getting on. So, will this be a joyful and fun-filled side venture like our UK pay-per-views? Or will it be regrettable and distasteful and inevitably not continue? Like our CM Punk side venture <laughs> not isn't barely started yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can just hear by the end of the episode that we weren't going to do it like. <laughs> why, why did we say we were going to do this fuck this I had the same kind of tone in my voice as when I said I was going to clean my room that one time when I was 14 like <laughs> what's going to happen I was going to be spinning chocolate starfish all night long baby <laughs> so August 2001 the rumours start coming out that Vince is now collaborating with Terry Taylor and Andrew McManus and that he's got a big list of names that he guarantees that he can get in. And that's how he sort of, like, partners up with Terry Taylor and McManus, is by promising them this list of names. Well, I mean, if you're Vince Russo, you're kind of trying to think of the names that he could get. Like, these are the people who be in the Russo camp. Are you saying names that he realistically could get? Yeah. Actually get? Jeff Jarrett. Yep. Perhaps David Arquette in some sort of a guest capacity. Okay. Uh, if the money was right, I guess. Um... Disco Inferno, yep. the Harris Brothers. Yep. Well, you literally have a list here. I've got you? the whole list because oh some God. of them are funny. Like, um, <laughs> some of them are like, oh yeah, obviously Vince Russo will get them. I mean, D-Lo, I'm trying to think of WBF guys. D-Lo, but was he under contract still? I think he was still under contract. Technically, uh, who else we got on this list then? Norman okay. Smiley. So the full list of people that he claims he can bring in is Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett, yeah. Ken Shamrock, mm. Mark Miro, Sable, yeah. Crowbar, Daphne, Jerry yeah. Lawler. Road Dog, Brian Christopher, Disco Inferno, Big Vito, Harris Twins. Oh, Big Vito, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, he plays Fortnite with him or whatever it is. <laughs> Most of these, pretty realistic so far. Yeah, these, like. are all, these are all Twitch heads, yeah. Harris Twins, Chronic. For Buff, fuck's sake. Obviously no. Chronic. Buff Bagwell. How do you ship over statues to Australia? <laughs> <laughs> you, you load them up in sand and then put them in a it crate. In a big and... shipping container. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Vince opens them up with a big crowbar. And... <laughs> <laughs> Get these muscled up statues into the arena. <laughs> <laughs> so again, we're still in mid-August 2001 here. Really interesting thing that I noticed that I had to bring up is that Jerry Lawler is doing like some interviews and a bit of publicity stuff, trying to get his name back out there because at this point in time he's still not with the WWF, campaigning to get back in there, but he's still not being welcomed back with open arms because he's doing things like talking about the cat on his website and being like really weird and cringy in public. Yeah, like, talking about fucking please don't change the yeah. locks on the house anymore, cat. That's so, a bad look, Jerry. He's going on radio shows being like, oh, I just can't wait to get back home to the WWF. And they're like, we don't want anything to do with you right now, pal. 
And he says publicly in an interview that Vince Russo actually offered him 35 grand to go to Australia and do a commentary tour for 10 days. And he turned it down, apparently, because he wants to go back to WWF. That's such a fucking Jerry Lawler. Like, yep. Vince, I'm, uh, that money, that's yours. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I'm very sorry that I was even offered that money. Well, it's no, it's good. He's a man of integrity because he's saying, you know, 35 grand for 10 days work. That's great and all. Yeah, pretty but good, yeah. It's WWF or nothing for me. So I will, I refuse and I like that he's sticking to his guns like that. Yeah, what, what go a on, good Jerry. Man. He is commentating tonight, though, right? Yeah, he, he will be on commentary yeah, okay, for all right. this. For, for not a 35 grand, I'm assuming. Probably less. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the, the art of the deal here, folks, is very rare that you're offered money for something then publicly deny you will ever do it, and then you do it, and you get paid the same. Yeah, I was going to say. a little bit oh. less. A Imagine Jerry with like, his crown in front of his chest, like, oh, please, sir, I would, I would like to take back what I said before. Hang on, I'll go to the hotel room and lick my thumb and... <laughs> <laughs> Take off a couple of the 600 grand for you. <laughs> hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. So, yeah, everything's looking like it's going ahead. And allegedly, at this point in time, one of the big things they've got planned for the show is going to be Disco Inferno versus a boxing kangaroo. Hey, I, I would legitimately pay money for that. Just to see Disco Inferno get, like, disembowels. Like. Yeah, and then you do the tag team, Bob Holly. Disco Inferno. <laughs> Get that bear out of here. And his tag team partner, the Kangaroo. <laughs> Kangaroo-so, mate. <laughs> Bro, I got a little Joey in my pants. Bro, this is like a smaller version of him. Still Vic Venom in there, right? <laughs> uh, and a few more names that have been signed for the show now are Gangrel. Luna, and apparently the whole Mean Street Posse is on board. What? Yeah, yes! Seriously. Fucking yes! Pete Gas Down Under. Think of the commute, Kevin. Oh my God! Think of the commute. He's still driving there. He got it. <laughs> At the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> in his car. <laughs> beep, beep. Where Come are on. you? I'm in Dead Man's Trench. <laughs> Tell Shane I'm not going to make his wedding or any of the christening for his five kids. Fuck, so the tour is underway, everything is going relatively well, and then we're leading up to October 26th, 2001, which is the inception, Kevin. Oh, baby! So, <laughs> so essentially, what we're going to do now is we're going to go sleep and enter into Andrew McManus's dream, <laughs> which I can only imagine is some sort of snow fortress. That explains so much of this. It's a dream. I get it now. It all makes sense. Of course. Okay, cool. And that, like, the 600 grand that he's flicking through, it just never stops flicking. <laughs> That's his totem. That's his totem. <laughs> right, who's going to be our Michael Caine in this one then? Like? <laughs> I keep forgetting he's in that movie. He is, isn't he? Like? He always just pops up in any Chris Nolan You're only film. supposed to go in his bloody dreams. Oh, this is so XWF. We've, like, been recording for nearly an hour and we've not got into the show Come on. yet. Come oh, no, there's a lot of groundwork. I really appreciate the, the research there, Adam, It's okay. Because I... there's a lot of shit out there about this. Because I know it's been purchased recently and there might be a little bit of attempt to gloss oh, over the, Jesus. The, the dirty history of this promotion. Oh, God. Is Andrew McManus looking at, like, World of Sport and NXT UK and thinking, like, oh, it's time to like, give it another go? Like... No, mate. He's just looking at prison cell. That's all he's doing. <laughs> Close thing he has is, like, in, in Kingpin and Daredevil when he gets that nice painting he likes so you can look at that like and I can think of Vanessa the painting that you've got for me is one of the most beautiful I've ever seen Jesus Christ oh man that 
I'm sorry, you've not seen Daredevil. I haven't. Wasted. I'm doing the hand gesture as oh. well. Because when I'm talking about Vanessa, I get very upset. Wasted on I'm me, mate. Vincent D'Offre. <laughs> This is live from Casino Magic in... <laughs> that is in, so in, the vibe. <laughs> that is the exact vibe. We open on Jeremy Bormash welcoming us on behalf of Andrew McManus and the International Touring Company, which does sound like a North Korean wrestling touring company. <laughs> we have the national anthem from Ashaka. Ashaka. There's four ladies who look very similar. Yep. I've never heard Australian's national anthem before. Me neither. Quite nice. It's alright, it's pretty, a bit of a banger. Yeah, it's an anthem. Have you got any um, kind of low-key bangers, uh, uh, national I anthems? I don't know national anthems anywhere near well enough to say, Kevin. The, the Russian national anthem is a fucking banger. Like. Yeah? Yeah, it's it's honestly, I bet most people are just like, you know what, we'll go along with whatever's going on, because that's a fucking... Yeah. That's a, it's, a, it's the same way people are like, oh, but David Bowie did all this. I don't care, the music is good. It's so good, I'm going to look so past good. that. It's so good, I'm going to look, I'm not even going to think about the 70s, okay? So, you know, Saudi Arabia, you want to start working on your image again now. Get yourself a new catchy pop song for your national anthem. People if you love ever you. see yourself in the beautiful city of Jeddah, you better read the signs. Do not drive cars, you'll survive hard time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the progressive city and the wonderful nation of Saudi Arabia. You know the Turkish consulate make you walk the Okay, okay right. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. Uh, JB, hype man, quintessential man that he was for, for TNA, used to, anytime they would do a live show, he would come out and he would fucking work himself up into a frenzy, knock a year or two off his life expectancy. He'd be like, come on and fucking share. Yeah. You can go backstage and you can look at Ric Flair's fucking, you look through his clothes and stuff. <laughs> you know, come on, please share. Do it now. Yeah. And I felt they could have done a bit of that, like, you know. Could have done with it. Because they come back and it's like, we're live, we're here. We're not live. They come back and it's like, wait, we're here. It's the start of the show. And everyone is silent. It's fog. It's lots of big colours. And just, yeah, the crowd just sat there. And then... Technical issues. <laughs> we can't. There's flashing colours and fog. No one's doing anything. And then over the PA you hear, scheduled for one foot. And then the pyro goes. No music. Just literally. If you add two cans of black beans and a can of glitter, that is <laughs> what would happen. <laughs> it's so awkward. It is the, like the most low-key start to a show ever it's like the welcome to Oz entrance but it's meant to be kicking off a pay-per-view yeah. like it's so embarrassing without any of the allure or questionable nature or like what's going on i've been to an all-night fair but i don't know what this is it had none of that <laughs> and it's great because you go from being like oh wow look at the camera work look at the size of the arena oh shit an opening pack this yeah is, i went this from... is pretty fucking it Oh. Schedule one fall. Oh no. <laughs> JB fucking triple duty. Writer. Yep. Assumedly he's producing. He's also commentator. He's also the ring announcer. Yes. Like, come on. You've got other people here. I, I know that this is JB's kind of first big role, mm. but it's now five roles or something, whatever it feels like. Yeah, I remember reading in the newsletter that at this point, he'd only been doing, like, pre-taped commentary gigs, like Thunder and stuff like that. He wasn't, like, a live broadcaster. Oh, no, this, was all, this was all new for him. Yeah. And he's, he's went from being a guy doing a bit of here and there to being... The man in charge yeah. here tonight, essentially. He is 
for lack of a better term, he is the Kevin Dunn and the Vince McMahon and the Triple H all rolled into one. The Michael one. Cole as well. Like. Yeah, and the Renee Young. Yeah. And the Howard Finkel. <laughs> God bless him. Good thing we've got a commissioner. I think we changed enough notes there. We yeah, royalty right. free. It's like it was made in Mario Paint or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i really want to hear a, a version of bret hart's theme on mario Paint now <laughs> i'm just pretty sure with mostly the <laughs> just, just putting it out there like. <laughs> what's your mission statement what is this about here's like, the mission statement it's good to be here in the wwa seems like it's a wrestling company that has a uh, a little bit of integrity. Little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. For fuck's sake. Can I have more than I want? I want a wrestling company with some integrity. With a sousson of integrity. Please. Like, for fuck's sake. Fucking hell. And then they big zoom out after he says that. And there's legitimately people leaving. Oh, already? What? I didn't like a shaka. I didn't like the pyro, and I don't like this man. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> All right, so the gimmick for tonight, Adam. Seven deadly sins. Why is this meant to be Bret Hart's idea? Like, one of the purest, most technical wrestlers in Cause, history. Because Bret Hart loves magnums. He loves a good magnum ice cream. And if you remember... They had the seven deadly sins. Here's a reference. They did. All them sexy ladies eating all them sexy ice creams. Yeah, Lust was the best one. It was. Like, well, no, I like the one that like was a frozen sloth. cum like, on a stick. <laughs> it's a lady like, getting out of it going, Nah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I empathize with the, the sloth lady. I, too, have woken up at a pen just grabbed an ice cream. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, King... Ho ho! You're gonna like this! Oh boy! These ladies! Ha! You're gonna you're gonna like this, King! Later on tonight, it's gonna happen in the ring! Skin to win, King! It's gonna be something we're gonna see! Maybe some bras! Maybe some panties! We might even see some skin! A graphic showing Road Dog versus Conan appears. <laughs> Two of the most potato-looking men you could have possibly found. Now, as eager <laughs> as 13-year-old Kevin may have been for a bra and panties match at any wrestling show, I'm not sure I want to see Conan or Road Dog in their smalls. In a skin-to-win match. No. That ain't using your noodle, so no. the poodle. <laughs> Sorry, D.O. Single G the Poodle. Oh, it is! That's it's... how you get around the copyright here. And it says here, right, Road Dog versus Conan with one N. Yep, yep, that's how you get around so, that as well. So, it's Road Dog, Wolf, versus Conan, <laughs> adventurer, Conan, warrior without fear. He did a podcast on MLW while doing marijuana drugs. <laughs> His parents cast into stone. <laughs> so... They have a match graphic card, and it says hardcore match. Yes. But then JB goes, it's going to be dog versus dog, King. <sighs> the dog collar match. That will be taking place later on under hardcore rules. All right. 
And what? then oh, we don't know. Is that part of the tournament? This is so blatantly what's happened is there are like four or five drafts of the show treatment in circulation amongst the staff and no one knows who's actually got the final copy of it. They're all just different information with each other. Like I don't know why. It's like, I'd like to see Bobby Heenan watch this show with a, oh. nice, with a nice glass of rye going, <laughs> <laughs> idiots. I thought he'd have his back turned to the TV. Like, <laughs> not even looking at playing it. Playing cards. <laughs> also for tonight... The Chosen One, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, taking on the Australian Storm. It's a front row, Nathan Jones. Ne- I keep writing Alex Jones instead. <laughs> In a pills on a pole match. Something about Booger Reds being saved at WrestleMania 19 by Alex, Alex Jones. Jones. <laughs> I've been listening to you on Biscuit in the back. <laughs> Sorry, actually, just received word that Alex Jones has been banned from the Adchair podcast. Oh, fuck. As Shit, he doesn't okay. meet our community guidelines. Oh. So. Sorry, guys, we can't mention him anymore. Freedom of speech, mate. Damn. Also, little thing here. Did you notice as immediately as I did here, as soon as Brett Hart leaves, Brett's promo is finished, walks back up to the backstage again, and then the sound quality suddenly shifts with Borash and the King. Did you notice yeah, this? Yeah, it became echoey because when i was watching this a uh, joe from how to she walked into the room and she's like what's this like really echoey like noise why does it sound so poor quality and what it reminded me of straight away was literally the split second in SummerSlam 98 yep. yep where jr and king go on the house mics yep they're on the house mics they're on the house mics for the whole show oh my god like you would see in a fucking 1980s gym or something like you know but- a butlin glow show. like yo butlins like butlins. a real rinky dink like oh ladies and gentlemen have we got a show for you tonight oh he hit him with the big move like <laughs> that kind of commentary we're not confident in the performers to tell you the story so i'm gonna do it instead <laughs> So, they're on the house mics. So, the Australian fans have to hear Jerry Lawler for the next three hours. And you wouldn't mind, like, Jerry has less chemistry with Borash than he did with Tony Schiavone. Yep. And and he clearly knows, he's been told by somebody that the Australian audiences, they're a little bit more edgy. You don't have to be quite as cushy with this We one. want the king. Like, yeah, we yeah. want proper, like, black heroin Jerry the King Lawler. <laughs> like, purest form possible. After they run down all the matches, which may or may not be in the Seven Deadly Sins tournament, we have Jeremy Borash go, Are you ready to go to the ring, king? What? No? <laughs> God sake. Gonna have to go wrestle. Yeah, because they don't know the schedule. That's they so actually bad. don't know. And then he goes, No, I mean it's just gonna be a, a match now, King. We're gonna call it. Figure uh, a speech. Oh. Okay. Fucking cow. So Hoovy 2 with the juicy promo. So uh people want to point this out to us after we you know mentioned you know, the rock name drop and Hooven to Guerrero. Oh yeah, burying him for what we thought was no reason. Like I guess it wasn't for no reason because it points out, of course, Hoovy was doing the juice gimmick around this time yeah. where he would just do promos like the rock, except he's doing it as the juice. Oh no, it's great because like any other parody, the way he really gets you to laugh is by literally doing the exact same shtick that the rock does, word for word. Yeah, but right, he's got a different language, so he says it all. He says it all wrong. He's got an accent, <laughs> and, and and the bit where the rock would normally say the rock, the juice says the what does he, what does he say? The juice. Oh. <laughs> he's like, finally, the juice has come. He's he's crackers, man. He's fucking crackers. <laughs> like he's a great laugh. You know that moon that appeared that shot lightning down into the fissure. I just want Vince Russo's face to go. <laughs> like in uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula just there in spirit his presence is known hey Big Show you remember me don't you I'm the Big Shot 
Uh, the one good thing I realised in this match, there is a positive to King going over the house, Mike, is Ow. that he gets to hear when people don't laugh at his jokes. <laughs> like, he, he gets to make a quip and then hear the silence after the fact. And that is good to know. Yeah. He's hearing that. You get the little kazooie. <laughs> and then did you catch the road dog at the start of his entrance? He got a big pop. He got a big pop for his... <laughs> so Road Dog, it finally happened. You smoke so much, you're speaking in tongues. Yeah, I thought he was talking through his bong water. Like. <laughs> this reminded me very much of in WrestleMania 2000, where it went... <laughs> and then he says, go <laughs> what's he saying what are you talking about mate well maybe that's how he overcome the fact that Owen was popping for his stuff he just fucking mumbles it now Aww. he looks wrecked yeah he looks a state like Road Dog, for most people's minds just kind of disappeared in like 2000 at the end of the K-Quick business yep and then kind of was gone in the wilderness and then showed up in TNA the Alamo. The Alamo. <laughs> Michael Hickenbottom. Me and badass Billy Good. Yeah, he's he's wearing blackface. <laughs> this comes up too often. <laughs> ah, it was different back then in 2006. <laughs> you know. No, no, come on now, you gotta laugh at the old working man's clubs in 2006. Yeah, Doing it di- blackface. It was different back in 2006. You see that? Because back in 2006, you said it was alright to have a bit, of, a bit of blue, a bit of blackface. <laughs> Ancient history, is it? Yeah, so long ago, mate. And you know what, as well? I've assumed they've apologised and addressed it as well. Oh, you just have to assume, yeah. You couldn't blame them. Well, you wouldn't do it twice and not apologise, nah, would you? Nah, and you certainly wouldn't champion the fact that you did it in the first place. And also as well, the fact that you did such a, you know, a much more thorough job the second time around in Billy Gunn that you must feel there's no need to, really. Mm. You get better with practice, mate. <laughs> you ever seen Crowbar wrestle before? I mean, we saw him with Daphne and Stacey Keebler back in the... Oh, did we? Yeah, Bash of the Beach. Yeah. No, I don't know him. I know he was the guy who him. bumped out of his pants, if you remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that says that he's talented at least. He is. Like, I always thought Devin Strong Crowbar is one of the guys who, like, if he came along like two years later or two years earlier, he would have made a name for himself. Could have been somebody. But he was just in that like middle ground there, but the, the wrong company at the wrong yeah, time type awkward. of thing. But uh, yeah, they talk about how he's a crazy guy, and he's like, "Well, he's got all those voices in his head. They always tell him what to do." And Jerry, with the most unsettling line of the night, "I do what the voices in my pants say." Hmm. Now, I did laugh. I'm not going to pretend I didn't because, you know, that I did find that... Fu- it's, it is a funny line. It is. It's just the fact that it's him. Yeah. I hear voices in my pants. They talk to me. They understand. They talk to me. <laughs> Speaking of big pop, but funny up here, a bit of a malfunction at the junction. Disco Inferno... He wanted two suits. What has he got, Adam? Two, two fruits. Two the, the fruits. Ki- I don't even like saying that because they keep saying that word for a very specific reason. They use that Just word. Just two fruits. Living with the fruits. Living with the fruits. What the fruits means is some real, and I mean cursed image, scary as fuck. Keep you awake at night. Poundland bananas in pajamas. Yeah, nightmare fuel bananas in pajamas. It's horrible. Those are bananas in pajamas. They're yeah, fucking and, scary. And Disco Inferno is like, I don't know why you went and got me bananas because I don't even like bananas. 
Now, it's very interesting to see the bananas and pajamas work in this territory, particularly because I know the rat in the hat is one of the most absolute yep. cutthroat promoters. Yep. Like, I look this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> His name was Banana Number One. And I look at my payoff and it's nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. I look this motherfucker. <laughs> and banana number two, if you weren't banana number one's boy toy, you'd be gone and everybody knows it. He'd have split and everyone would know it. <laughs> but no, it is impressive because I heard that B2 couldn't get the visa to go over to Australia. Yeah. So it's impressive that they did make it here. Interesting, like. yeah. Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. Bananos and pajamas oh, appear. For fuck's sake, they're back. My God, King! Is it? Is it is? The bananas in pajamas. They're coming down the stairs. <laughs> they're a walking. They're a back. God, and talking. A sadistic B2 is hammering anything. Let my God move. And then B1 is just playing pool like. <laughs> right in the hat. And. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, did you catch the best part of Jarrett's promo Please here? Please tell me. He says, I'm going to beat everybody here tonight and win the title because I got the most stroke in the business. Just bear that in mind. Yeah. That, that prescient little saying there. Most stroke in the business. That's why you're in Australia, right? Well, he's got he's got the stroke here tonight. Like, yeah, He sure does. So here we go. Double J versus Corporate Kane. And they try to big up Nathan Jones. This guy is something else. A former WWF developmental wrestler. Wow. Sounds wow. bad. He only made it to developmental, eh? In 2001. Never wow. got out of there. So, Roe McManus, he's here as the mouthpiece for Nathan Jones. Grabs a microphone. And he calls out Jeff Jarrett's inaccurate homophobia. Oh. There you go. Bit again. Big old pop. But big old pop. And then, this is what we always get. This happens a lot when you had this, like, kind of, this language back in the day. It's like... You know, you're gay. Also, I'm going to say something that really, when you read it out, sounds pretty gay. Like, yeah. I'm going to slap your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? I'm like, I, whatever, man. Well, you yeah. know, nothing wrong with that. But No, it's just, it's, it's just that you're the one saying it, you homophobic piece of shit. Like, perhaps all of you are homosexuals too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The girls whip double J, and then King, in a very confused moment, goes, "Yes, yes, spank him." Oh, oh, oh! He's gonna be keep. He's gonna keep himself awake at night. Maybe he is that. a homosexual too. <laughs> <laughs> Get those bananas out here to take him away. <laughs> what is going on? Get those bananas out. This show is fucked. But you know what? Honestly, the problem is, right, is that we've been talking about this and no one's going to believe this show. They're all going to go and find I know. it and buy like, it. Yeah, you're going to have to watch this. Don't. Just save yourself. Gangrel coming out. I'm just going to call him Gangrel. It's too confusing. It is Gangrel. It's Gary. Gangrel, it looks like he's bored in Australia and is on a big break themed stag do. He's got his shiny purple waistcoat on. <laughs> I'm going to be nookering you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm famed for my aim, so you better believe I'm right. Stop it. Fuck this show. At first, Jim Davidson was forbidden. Stop it. By the Undertaker. Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. Jeff shoots Road Dog off the ropes. What do we guess? Did we? Yeah. 
Did we? Yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah, we got Glag A. Ah, no way. And Glag A down under, so that's yeah, Glag. <laughs> and notice as well, when he pops in the Glag A, it was actually a counterclockwise. Cause of no, because <laughs> of the hemisphere. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm 40% sure. I'm that. devastated that I did not catch that myself. And now's the part of the episode where I have to remember to really strongly put over some aspects of, like, JB, Jeremy Borash, because he's someone who I was aware of, you know, even since I knew he was part of WCW back in the 2000s, but obviously as someone who watched a lot of early days TNA, Jeremy Borash was very much like someone you saw. He was the Mean Gene Oakland of that company, except he was also the Bobby Heenan of that company, that, you know, Mean Gene did the stuff you saw on camera, but Bobby Heenan did the stuff on camera, and a million other things. Like, if he wasn't there, no show. No JB, no TNA for pretty much... I'd say at least 85% of its existence. But if Jeremy Borash was to be wearing a turban and you were to remove that underneath, you'd be like, yes, that's why I'm here, but I'm still weak. I can only I can only control Jeremy Borash to the back of his head. And he may seem nervous, but he's actually as hateful, as hateful as, as Vince is. Because you know what? I don't think Jeremy Borash has been given a hard time about any fucking thing he's ever done in wrestling he always gets praised Mm. and comes out sparkling shiny new and you know what jeremy borash editing british boot camp on the airplane on his laptop you know doing the voiceovers like adam biblo with a duvet over him yeah it is it's very impressive i admire the hustle but fuck me jeremy borash you wrote some god-awful shit and you are going to be held to account for it tonight yeah legit vince russo is no longer anywhere near this scene i don't care if you're a patsy borash you're going down for this like his hands are filthy as far as i'm concerned mate patsy more like patsy kenza in that he is the main event the head person in charge here <laughs> all eyes on them yeah when he walks into the room heads turn that's all i'm saying right <laughs> We got messages from Will Porch and Daniel Cox who went to the London and Newcastle shows and they both got yelled at and flipped off by Scott Steiner. But there is one story here, Kevin, that I've been saving for you. Dean Jameson from Newcastle went to the Newcastle show and I'm going to read this out verbatim, this message, because I'm so pleased with this story. My best ever wrestling memory was from this show. At the halftime break, me and my two friends approached a KFC colonel-looking gentleman stood behind a barrier. After speaking to him for a few minutes and finding out he was the aforementioned Andrew McManus, we asked if we could go backstage. Sure enough, he did. He told us to come back to the barrier before the main event. We did, and he let us through. Hey, I say, to... Adam, Adam, has any, did any cash exchange hands here? That's what I want to know. Because <laughs> I, I don't know the guy who's messaged in here. You may be implicating yourself in some sort of international money laundering kind of thing here. <laughs> And when exactly did you meet this gentleman? (laughs) 
We got to meet the wrestlers backstage and watch the main event from behind the curtain. Gangrel, with beer in hand, spent about 40 minutes answering questions for the three of us. Wow. We also met Bret Hart, Road Dog, and Luna. I've still got the signed program to this day. So there you have a story of St. Andrew, I'm going to call him, St. Andrew McManus being a fucking wonderful man and looking after three young wrestling fans. That's lovely. St. Andrew McManus, <laughs> he never gets respect. <laughs> best Metallica album, mate. Best album. Well, the best Metallica song from the best Metallica album for the most Metallica man and Andrew McManus, who probably had a big brown paper bag full of money to bring Metallica to, to Australia at one point. You know what? That is a precious story. That is a very precious mm-hmm. story because I don't know if you've ever been fortunate enough to ever have a kind of a hey a little behind the scenes show type of a thing. No. I had some I had some friends in bands where I've been very fortunate. It's the nicest feeling in the world. But that's happened in wrestling though is like so magical. Like that's incredible. Yeah. And I am like I I think anyone who's a wrestling fan would would want to have a, a memory like that. And it came from of course the dream maker himself, Andrew McManus. Of course. Who, I've actually got a bit of an update on as well. Uh, I've been doing oh. some more, more sleuthing myself. When you know Adam's been doing all the kind of superfluous stuff here about looking at you know historical wrestling moments and memories from fans in attendance, <laughs> I I've been on the investigative journalism page of the Sydney Morning Herald doing the real work for the podcast here, oh, folks. Because that's why you, you tune in here. Just just the headline alone, and it's only from last month thereabouts. So you know there has been movement. Here's the headline, folks. Rhyming slang, lines of coke, and a $700,000 bag of cash. A day in the life of Andrew McManus. A day in the life. Woke up, (laughs) got out of bed, drank a couple of bottles of vodka, made my way downstairs and had a line, and suddenly noticed I had $700,000 in cash in a bag. Ah, ah, How the fuck do I explain this? The bag of $700,000 in cash, which when we last spoke, he had alleged was to pay Lenny Kravitz or ZZ Top. Yep. So, as it transpired, the money laundering as it relates to the drug trade, separate instance to this, and he has been completely, he's gotten off, no charges filed from the international Whoa. drug thing. He, he's gotten out of that. So, he, he, he he's not involved in that business anymore. Wait, so he's not behind bars anymore then? Oh no, he's avoided jail time entirely, Adam. Wait, he was never behind bars. No, he was, he would have been behind bars awaiting trial. But he is, oh. he is got he is gone now. He he was out on bail and then he he has received no jail time. But the oh, the smoking man. gun, the seven hundred grand. So <laughs> as it's come out, the seven hundred grand, okay, belonged to a personal trainer who had taken the money from a gambler, and the gambler hmm. was taking the money from the personal trainer's business associate, and the idea was that he was meant to take it's like two or three million dollars and go to the casinos and turn it into like five million dollars but the gambler it turns out was a known fraudster and had actually just blown two and a half million dollars over the course of his big bender he was on so the personal trainer trying to save the money for the businessman took the remaining 700 grand in cash and took it to his hotel room at which point an unnamed person rang the police and said there was a gun 
in the hotel room and they showed up and they found a 700 grand and they took that instead because it's dodgy. And then the lawyer of the businessman contacted Andrew McManus and said, look, we're in a bind here. We've got 700 grand. You make like $40 million a year. Can you show up and just say it's yours and we'll give you 200 grand? To which Andrew McManus says, well, I've got Lenny Kravitz coming and he'd rather be paid in cash. So I guess that's all right. Fuck me. What a mess. What a mess. Cut to court where Andrew McManus admits to being on a bottle or two of vodka a day when he agreed to lying to police about the fact that the cash was him. Despite the fact that they tapped the phones of the businessman and they heard... And they heard him on the phone saying, mate, I fucking aced that police interview. It was, and I quote, an Academy Award winning performance. (laughs) He was caught on the tap. He was on the wire doing a Triple H promo for fuck's sake. And what is this loud crunching noise? Ah, that was me victoriously snacking on some carrots and hummus after the deed was done. They listened further on the phone tap and they heard him saying that he was in a bit of, and I quote, froth and bubble, and he desperately needed a Gregory Peck for Lenny Kravitz. So froth and bubble, that's trouble in Cockney rhyming slang. Okay. Uh, Gregory Peck, that's a check. I only know this from being a devoted Greg Wallace follower. And I believe Lenny Kravitz is Cockney rhyming slang for Claire Saffitz of Bon Appetit fame. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, because he was in this financial desperation, they figured that Andrew McManus was, according to his lawyer, a soft target. And this was all arranged at a, a high-powered business lunch where they discussed all the plots and plans that they were going to do. He believed that they were pumping his tires, telling him that he was a man of substance and that it would be a walk in the park for him to get it. Under cross-examination, Mr. McManus denied he was drunk at the lunch, but agreed that he had consumed some cocaine. One or two lines, not very much in consideration, he offered. Yeah. So Sorry, sh- sorry, that, that reads like fucking journey into darkness there, like <laughs> but he admitted that he did do some cocaine at lunch. One or two lines. It wasn't a great deal. It didn't matter, of course. Backstage, Mr. Croker was celebrating the fraud. He celebrated with a bottle of vodka. Mr. McManus had cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so the lawyers proved demonstrably. The lawyers proved that Andrew had shown sufficient remorse and that he himself, while he had admitted and had pled guilty to concocting a fraud, he himself was the victim of a slightly bigger fraud in that he didn't realise he was in with all this dodgy dealings. Uh, So, even though he was done in for that, he he admitted to lying to police under oath and he completely made up his statement to the police he is his sentence was such that there was no jail time i believe he served to find wow. some community service but as of as of may 2020 the man's out free to run the wwa there is a netflix limited series waiting to be made about this man's life like that's so fucking convoluted but it's annoying for me now because after wwa i had bought the rights for the title of the show mcmanus on the run and that's not gonna happen <laughs> now is it McManus living comfortably in Australia hasn't got the same ring to it. How about McManus on the run, subtitle, St. Andrew Rides Again? (laughs) (laughs) So there you go, folks. Uh, That's the story of Andrew McManus. So lest we, you know, the last episode took place when there was kind of, you know, questions over where Mm -hmm. it was all going. Well, Mm -hmm. it's gone where it's going to go. There he is. He's grand now. 
Okay, okay. Well, thanks for the update there. It's good to know that the kingpin has managed to keep his hands nice and clean for all of this. <laughs> My hands were never dirty, Vanessa. I would never touch such bloody $700,000. End of January, there is a big old rumour flying around that Randy Savage is getting really, really close to Andrew McManus and people are starting to say that he's angling to get a top spot and work on top with Brian Adams, crush of all people. Wow, relive the glory days of WrestleMania 10. Yeah, awesome, dude. I mean, I will say in 2001 and 2002, when you look at all the people who came to WWE and who went off and did stuff in TNA, because, you know, Sting and Lex Luger showed up in TNA in 2002. You're like, all, all the names did show up. The only name that didn't really ever show up in some capacity in any company and I know he did show up very, very, very briefly and threw that one punch that one time. But Randy Savage was a lever that went unpulled in wrestling after he mm. disappeared in like the 2000s. Like, and he never, he never was used again. And I think Randy Savage is the absolute definition of someone who he could have showed up, pointed to the fucking audience and the people yep. would have lost their ship and said, yep. WWA is the next thing, brother. Yeah, so it's a big get for them. You can see why they would have Randy on their roster because like, he is definitely a, the, the biggest, biggest name they have by far. I, I think and... bigger than Sting even. I think that is the biggest name because yeah. Sting, you have to remember, as big as he was, he was still a WCW guy. Exactly. Savage was like both eras, both companies, the Universal. top, top guy. Yeah. So you can understand why they would have him, but apparently he's like supposedly making moves backstage. And I also heard as well around the time that he was negotiating, Adam, with Big Time Wrestling, uh, that, that operation out in New York. Like, they had a pretty sweet gimmick set up where he just have, like, like the old Blackpool days with Regal. They just have some geeks show up, like. There'd be a few workers thrown in there, a couple of shooters, but it's mostly just, you know, geeks coming out, and they they pop him in a cage match as well. They wouldn't even know. Like, put a, put a jobber in a cage, you know, break his legs, yeah. protect the business. And, like, Easy for someone with a love of the business, like uh, Macho Man Bonesaw McGraw, that was obviously <laughs> the way that he wanted to handle things after the Time Warner money went up. Early February 2002, word gets out. Randy also, Savage. Can, can I just say, can I just say as well, you may have like brought up Andrew McManus, St. Andrew, with the, 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 you know, the, the Kentucky Colonel outfit. In my mind, every time I say Andrew McManus, it's Bruce Campbell from Spider Man 1. Like every single time, he's a baddie with a sparkly blazer and big oh, sunglasses. Really? Be like, <laughs> count this money, like. I was thinking more that the, the skeezy guy backstage who's there, like, the ad said three grand for three minutes and you pinned him in two. I missed the part where that's my fucking problem. Go kill some guy who killed your uncle, or whatever. M Mr. McManus, like, on the stand, counting his money, like. <laughs> and then you keep. You, you lied to the police. Oh, I forgot the part where that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> Early February 2002, word officially breaks that Randy Savage is now the head booker of the WWA and Crush is the assistant booker. The booker! The booker! The booker! They gave him the book. It's Randy Savage! Yep. 2002... Rap album, yep. be a man, jet yep. black beard, living legitimately in outer space, coast to coast, Randy Savage. Men in Black 3, Randy Savage, that's exactly right. Jesus Christ almighty. Yeah. I, <laughs> I want to see that show. Oh, can you imagine? That'll be like, out there. I wouldn't even give, I love Randy Savage. I wouldn't even give him creative control at this point in his career. No. <laughs> then I come out in a spaceship 
and there's a whole new race in there, the Macho Maniacs, yeah, taking over the universe, yeah. <laughs> no, Randy, go home. All right, uh, th- I thought this would have been, like, a big, like, oh, they didn't get Randy, he didn't show up, but, like, now, in terms of dodged bullets, Randy Savage and fucking Crush, not since Ricky and Bubbles were the assistant trailer park supervisor <laughs> and trailer park supervisor had there been people with power who've not earned it or should not wield it. <laughs> like, just because you're a good wrestler doesn't mean you should be the booker. I hate that logic. Of course it does. Like, what, what they're thinking is that Randy used to write down all of his matches, so therefore he should just write down everyone's matches and save everyone some time. Someone like Randy Savage, like, I would say be an agent, but it's almost like it's a waste for someone like him to be an agent. He should be a trainer. He should be the guy like yeah. Dusty Rhodes who just comes in and you sit underneath the tree and you learn somehow for yeah. an hour or two. Don't have him fucking writing shows. Oh my god. So Kingpin St. Andrew McManus claims at this point that he has signed Randy Savage, Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner all to two-year deals each. So that's great. You've got two years guaranteed now of Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett and Randy Macho Man Savage. Like, that's, that that's three good names. You can't go out of business then because if someone says you have to go out of business, you go, but I've got a Macho Man Randy Savage on a two-year deal. They're like, all right, well, we'll okay. allow it. We'll allow it. <laughs> you, keep, you keep going, Andy. The 24th of February, WWA Revolution pay-per-view is finally officially booked. They've got it at a new hotel casino in Las Vegas, a different place, couldn't get the MGM Grand, and they still have no promoter's license. So technically, the hotel is now the promoter of the show so they can get away with using their license instead. What? The hotel is the promoter of the... Randy Savage is the booker, the hotel is the promoter and has the promoter's license. This just reminds me of like, you know, in Hotel Hell when Ramsey shows up and, you know, like the the, the owner is like, I'm not going to go and like look after the rooms or cook because right now I'm going to do like a share tribute act or my, my one man Grease musical that I do every night for the for the customers. <laughs> I'm going, what are you doing? You should be focusing on your business. And he's coming up here going, why are you running wrestling shows? Look at this burger. It's been microwaves. Why have you, why is Macho Man Randy Savage the head booker? Come on. Oh. But Adam, before we got to fireworks, we got to something uh, way better because if you remember in the inception, we got a little dirty lick, a little But this time they've risen from the puddle of mud themselves because we got the full band here going Seventeen bomber. <laughs> it's so fucking two thousand and two. The guy's got the cuff, the the double arm pose. He's going yeah. right in there like he's about to fucking suck a dick. Like he's so close to that microphone. He's got that. He's got that look, hasn't he? He's got that look to say, "You could bring me home to your mom at your own fucking risk." Yeah, on your head, bias. <laughs> She's not ready for my leather cuff, my little claw on my finger, yeah? She's never even been to Ashley, your mum. She doesn't know what my button badge life is all about. That is a stone-cold bad boy right there, folks. He is, yeah. Shame about the song. The song is fucking hideous. Revolution! Revolution! If you ever wanted to compress all of the butt rock from 01 to 03 into one song and not have mm. to think of loads of different words 
like literally someone going revolution gets yep. like the vibe of she hates me it gets yep. the vibe of big train it gets the vibe <laughs> of pretty much any song that was used on any game that had the prefix smackdown versus raw at the yep. start of it yeah pretty much they did provide us a <laughs> opening package but we're not going to give it to you here because the opening package is just a revolution. Hey, Adam, you say you want a revolution. I would have cast this guy in the best movie ever, that uh, fabulous Beatles musical that you're a big, big fan of. Piss off. Why are you bringing this up now? (laughs) (laughs) Adam, you know that I would go across the universe to bring you the best Beatles content uh, possible and a lot of people out there talking about yesterday why don't you give across the universe a try because uh if you're uh, sorry unless you don't want a revolution that is uh i think when john <laughs> lennon wrote of revolution that he wore a leather cuff like this lad had son <laughs> you've put me all over the place now getting me thinking about across the universe when we're still in the fucking opening segment of this pay-per-view hey big show you remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. Who we got on the house mics? It's fucking Jeremy Borash going mm. to the under-13s hunt ball dance in County Meath with his jazzy shirt and his shell necklace. <laughs> and his older, crueler brother Mark Madden is there because none of the boys in his oh. year will hang out with him anymore. So he wants to go and bully some of the children instead. And they are the worst the worst the worst that have ever been i hated these commentators so much this was everything i hated about both men and i i went into this thinking i like jeremy borash yeah and now i've got a fucking guidebook on how much i hate this fucker oh jesus give me jerry lawler Give me, give me fucking Captain Lou from, yeah, give me anyone. Give me Tony Schiavone from XWF phoning it in. Like, please. Mark Madden. (sighs) This guy is horrible. Like, I mean, he's not a very good commentator, but more so than that, he's not a very good human being. Like, he's so fucking shitty. He's horrible. He is the type of man that the phrase just ignore him was invented for (laughs) he is the reason why twitter gives you the option to have you know pictures of sports teams in cars instead of actual avatars yeah yeah and you'll get into a big fight with you on twitter about why his fucking nez collection is better than yours like and he is the type of man who every i shit you not i can count on my hand the number of times that we have tweeted about him or mentioned him in the seven or so years we have been doing this podcast and without fail without fail every (laughs) i'm not exaggerating you know this as well (laughs) every single fucking time a five tweet fucking back and forth i made Mm. it and you didn't you'll never know about this business and you're just saying like He's a bit of a prick, isn't he? Well, I made it and you didn't. It means nothing. It means nothing. Ah, no. What, you can't you, make you can't it and pretend. be a prick? That's impossible. Because everyone who's made it is lovely. Is that it? 
You can't pretend those words didn't cut you to your very core, Kevin. I know how badly you want to make it to the point where you can commentate in the Aladdin Casino and Hotel. And Mark Madden made it and you fucking didn't. He's just owned me so many times. I don't know what to do now. Kevin, Kevin. And he'll only own me again. He pwned you is what he fucking did, man. No, no, he stopped that now. Use regular letters. You said you wouldn't put a (laughs) P in there. And you know what? Someday... In the future, when technology is caught up with the rest of us, there'll be an ability to search podcasts for your name the way you can do it on Twitter. (laughs) And you know what, Adam? On that day, it'll be a very awkward set of affairs with Mark Madden, but you'll have to wait in line because Taz and Hardcore Holly and half the 1999 (laughs) roster will be queuing up to talk to why we in our mid-twenties were so horrible. (laughs) Now, of course, where we are at the moment... We are still, mm, I don't know, we're still 11 years later from Bret Hart spitting in the face of Montreal at WrestleMania 26. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a much different Bret. This is Bret in the house who is, he is both happy to be here and see some American fans, but he's not happy to be here with WWA because there's a couple of red flags that pop up in Bret's promo. Hey folks, here I am. I'll let you know straight away. Appreciate all the action here in WWA. You know, you just saw that match there. These young guys out there breaking their goddamn necks. And I, but he says it in a way where it's like, no, I'm I'm saying it's good that they really, you know, they, they do a really dangerous style that shouldn't be in this business. <laughs> so let you know, folks, the space cowboy Randy Savage won't be here tonight. Right. Boo! Some people say I met your madness. Whoa, whoa. Some people say that I am the macho king. But as a matter of fact, I am the doctor of love and the space cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> Was he ever known as a space cowboy? I've never you know? fucking heard that before, honestly. I don't know. It works. Uh, maybe... Like It makes sense to me when he's like Silver 2001 Macho Man looking all weird on the front cover of his album. I get that, yeah. Even some classic, you know, Macho Man hat and tassels, you know, Repo Man's repossessed your sunglasses or whatever. <laughs> he's got a bit of a space cowboy vibe to him. I don't know if that was Brett being like, oh yeah, like like when my, my brother always calls Bam Bam Bigelow that fucking space clown. And like that's his, that's his way to write him off entirely. Aww. Like, no, not him. And I wonder if, if Brett's like, yeah, Randy Savage, that fucking space cowboy. Mm. He ain't gonna be here tonight. Boo. <laughs> and then he's like, but I think there should be a replacement in the main event. Brett, Brett, Brett. And it won't be me. Boo. Oh, God. Yeah, you really know Replaced. how to... do this, Adam. Not like this. Honestly, like, Brett surely has enough knowledge of the business to know that there are ways that you can say things and there are ways that you can lead up to a point. And he's doing it all wrong here. Yeah, now Brad is letting you know. Maybe it's the character work. Maybe he's letting you know that he's still the heel from the end of the, the last <laughs> show. <laughs> Through Grizz's teeth, we get the following announcement. You know, I've always been... Uh, that's him aggressively scratching his, the, the corner of his mouth and getting a little bit angry the way Brett does. I'm uh, partial to the um, <clears throat> uh, second-generation wrestlers. And... Uh, Jerry Lawler's son is here on the roster, and he was, um, you know, he was on the last tour, I guess. And uh, yeah, Brian Christopher is working the main event tonight. He's Jerry Lawler's son. <laughs> That's how he says it. What a He's big announcement! Working the main event. Yep. B- 
because he worked the last tour, I guess. Fuck And me. then, uh, just in case you're not finished to get off the chuckle ride and uh, you're on the Smile Time roller coaster here with Bret Hart, he brings up 9-11 Come again. on! Hey! What the fuck? Why? Why, why, why? I get it in Australia. He felt the need because he was in Australia when 9-11 happened. It kind of makes sense for him to bring that up. Here, we're in Vegas. He's already addressed it. He's already got it out of his system on WWA pay-per-view. And he fucking yeah. stops here and he goes, you know, I was in Australia when the World Towers got bombed. Like, what are you on about? The There's no need. Wait, the World Towers? Isn't that the restaurants that they had in Times Square? Is he got mixed <laughs> up like, you know? <laughs> It is, it is strange to bring up 9-11. I'm not sure what the angle is. Maybe nope. he finally got around to watching Stephanie's tribute from the 9-11 show. You know, folks, in uh, 1993, the uh, federal government came after Vince McMahon like a bunch of hyenas. You know, they were saying he was giving out steroids. It was a bunch of hokey bullshit. <laughs> like, genuinely, if I was to sit down and really pick the brain of Brad, at the, literally at this moment in time, and think, right, if you're to come out and just have a chat with the audience and just level with them, mm -hmm. I think the broad strokes of what he tries to do here is actually really admirable. And I did come away thinking, all right, good on you, Brett. Because he does say, you know, last time you guys would have seen me in the World Wrestling Federation, I was kind of known as being like the, the anti-American guy. And, you know, once you know the truth is I don't hate America. I've yeah. never hated America. You know, I consider myself a North American. And, you know... My mom is from New York. She's American. You know, he was, he's very upfront about it. And, you know, in a roundabout way, I don't know if people know it or not. I think we mentioned WWA, but Brett did lose his mom because of 9-11, because yeah. her medication was taken away from her because her flight was cancelled and she wasn't able to have it in time and she passed away as a result of that. Mm -hmm. It was very, very sad. And I thought, you know what, if you're going to break the fourth wall and kind of go, look, here I am. And I did like that he said, you know, you know, I never thought, you know, given what I've done, I'd ever be in front of an American audience again. So this is kind of special. And the, there are some people in the crowd who do boo him. Yes, there are Like, boos. throughout this, like, oh, you're a phony or whatever. But he does win across the audience a bit. And I do think if there is one minutia of positivity or healing that Brett gets across in this very, very bitter time. And again, everything that's happened with Owen and all that besides, mm. plenty of reason to be bitter right now. I think it, it was a positive that Brett did go out of his way to say that, even if it was in quite an awkward way. Yes, but then even with the nice sentiment there, he kind of rambles on and then ends up spoiling it, I, I think, because he starts getting into... Just bring up Canada beating the US in the in the hockey, in yeah. the US uh, losing the Winter Olympic Games. Boo! <laughs> we take back everything nice you said. Yeah, and then he's saying about how like Canada beat America for the gold medal, and then but no, maybe Canada and everyone else around the world can help America. They can lift America up. And uh, hey, I, t I tell you what, how about Canada takes the gold medal, and then uh, the Americans can take Osama bin Laden any way they want him. And that's like his final line. It's like, wait, what kind of trade is this? Have you got the, bin Laden now? Like, Is that a winter? I, I mean, I knew it's not an Olympic sport, but I guess I've never gotten Mario and Sonic at the Winter Olympics. So I don't know if <laughs> capturing and killing Osama bin Laden. Uh, and, that's, uh, and I quote, that's totally a flash game. Ass. That's a flash game on miniclip.com, like Mario kills grounds, bin Laden like. or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way he phrases it because he's like, you know, a lot of people want to get their hands on Bin Laden. I just want to say, 
amen to that brother amen like don't say things that will really underscore how canadian you are amen brother yeah i know what you're saying there man come on let's go say the alphabet a b c d e f g like in ireland a lot of us do pronounce a as ah like that's how yeah, i've yeah. been taught it like ah that, i don't know about you in it England, was it was our man in my school as well yeah oh but as in the letter ah oh like, it's, not a. A. No, it's ah. Just a yeah ah ah as what we had i, yeah, I but, was american because i said a but you lot have difficulty with the word ah don't you and i also as well in the same school as well as getting trouble for saying a instead of ah i also got in trouble for drawing a four like the channel four four but that's uh, a great said, four that's it's a cracking four. four. Yeah. Right, if it was the meme and it's me and that fucking loser stepladder four, I'd be looking over my shoulder going, ooh, channel four, four <laughs> of Euro trash fame and whose line is it anyway? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna draw that. I had to fill out an entire A4 page of graph paper with channel four fours Fuck as punishment. Off. Come on. Have all the fours in the world. <laughs> I love him here when he's talking about Osama Bin Laden. He gets all passionate. He's like, what if we take Osama Bin Laden and kick his freaking ass and then we, we tie him up and we give him to the Americans and you can have him any way you want him. And you know what, Osama Bin Laden? You've never been on Simpsons. <laughs> I've been on Simpsons. <laughs> and then he just kind of like shuffles off like an old man. Yeah. Then Mark Mann goes, well, you heard it here, folks. Main event has been booked and we all know Brian Christopher can dance. That's how you book cool. a main event. That's how you book and announce the new last-minute change to the main event. Reno with his finishing move. The roll of the dice. Nice. And how appropriate it would be here in Casino Magic. I mean, Aladdin's Casino. <laughs> I like as well is that after you did the roll of the dice, Mark Madden went, Yeah, my mom caught me rolling the dice a few times, if you know what I'm saying. Because I was beaten off in there, you know? Rolling the dice. Rolling the dice. Rolling the dice. Look at him. Oh, come on. Sometimes we got in there, we feel the two cubes, you know? You know, you give him a little jostle around and then yeah. throw them. You put you both know? your balls between both your hands cupped together and shake it around. Give him a good... And then sometimes for luck, you blow on them. And yeah, then you throw them. and it hurts. And that makes you a real man. Good, good job there, Martin, for the relatable <laughs> sequence. No, no, no. Because, no, guys, a lot of people who watch this will have masturbated. So, you reckon? You know? Nah. Uh, yeah, I reckon so. Nah. I reckon so. Not wrestling there's a, fans. There's a bishop they're going to have be beaten up mercilessly later on. For and then there's, uh, there's uh, The gobbledygook is going to come out and get like choked by Taz <laughs> later on. You know? Oh, Adam. Adam, Adam, Adam. We get a nice long shot of all three of our announcers just... And it's like, again, the camera stays on them for way too long. And they're clearly like, well, that's us finished what we're talking about. Let's cut back. And they don't cut back. They just have to keep filling in time. And they fucking suck at it. And JB tells us that that band that kicked off the show earlier with the Revolution song... You, you, sorry, what do you mean when they started the revolution, you mean? When they started the revolution, Tantric, they have now set off on tour... With Creed. Creed, tantric. baby. Tantric. They're actually called... They're actually called Tantric. Yep. Tantric now on tour with Creed. The secret to Tantric sex is just to very slowly say... Revolution! In, look her right in the eyes as you're saying it. Yeah, yeah you last all night over. that way. Like, all night long, yeah. you look square in the eyes, say revolution. Two heel commentators. And here's the problem with JB. 
He's not able to stand up to the two men who are clearly destined to ruin this show even no. more. Anyone could tell you. It's like it's like when you have an indie show and everyone wants to be the fucking the badass heel who like yeah. is really cool. And, yeah. You know, it's just you know when you go to a wrestling show and everyone comes out dressed the same because like what's your character? Oh, I'm the kind of, I'm like the shooter of this crew of this, <laughs> this small organization. Oh, you and like everyone else who thinks there as well. Yeah. Like or the amount of times where I've listened to like little indie groups where they've got really interesting performers I want to see, but then the two commentators on the rock band mic are like, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy with the sunglasses. I'm a bit of a heel big actually. Personality. Like, yeah. I'm also a bit of a big personality. And I remember when I did my very brief little wrestling thing with with Fight Like Apes and the wrestlers who I was there with, and it's like there's like there's a bit of an epidemic of like crap jesse ventura's with you know sunbasses <laughs> and crazy hats and all these shows so i'm like oh, okay even on his worst day jb could look and see this won't work no surely surely this you know what would be really funny in the ministry of silly walks sketch is that if we got another john gleese and he was doing <laughs> even sillier walks and they were like competing to see whose walk is the silliest and graham chapman can't get a word in <laughs> oh, and you know what i love as well is that the two of them are trying to be healing each other like oh uh, don't go easy on me out there disco like oh don't worry i'll, I'll give you a few barbs mark because we have fun don't we hey mark madden you're out here you're embarrassing yourself and you else embarrass themselves the u.s hockey team who i believe you're close personal friends with the coach of that team actually and he's like oh disco stop busting my balls i may be close personal friends with the coach of the u.s hockey team and have been for for many years actually but that has no bearing on the fact that they may have messed up here today you know and uh, how attractive is your wife disco could you you show us a picture oh don't be doing that oh you you guys healing it up madden then says disco's got a big nose fucking brilliant this is can we get another five minutes of this please lads before we get to any more wrestling i'll tell you what instead because you've been good adam you can have another 50 seconds of them just looking in the camera for too long <laughs> after that like literally you can see them kind of looking at each other going that was good isn't it yeah i'm really excited to do heel commentating with you heel commentator <laughs> hey big show you remember me don't you i'm the big shot let's get on to another match coming up next we've got chronic chronic chronic, chronic. Chronic in the house, Adam. And look, if Chronic would be here, it's gonna be good, clean fun, right? There's not gonna be any like dirty, nasty stuff here. We've got Chronic coming out, and their opponents, the unknown Native Blood, who are two Native American wrestlers from the Navajo territory of, in California, and uh, they come out to a bossa nova music that came yep. free with JB's keyboards. And if you lean in and listen carefully, you can hear Mark Madden actually licking his lips because he knows he's going to have some fucking fun with Native American shtick right now. Now, here's the thing. I would have thought, stupidly I thought, it's 2002, it's known that you can't say certain things, Mm -hmm. right, surely, by these folks. Even that base level should be there. And when I heard them say, and I heard all three of them say Native Americans, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, look, if they're, they're saying Native Americans surely we're, the bar has been maybe just hit at that exact low enough level that if they're going to say that, then maybe it's going to be okay. Mm. And they're coming out, and they're like, these two are Native Americans, these tag team, and then Disco Inferno goes, yeah, no casinos for them down here. We're not on the reservation anymore. Ooh. Whoa, no! There it is. Whoa. 
it's amazing you were able to get so much misinformed hate uh, mm. before high speed internet, uh, Glenn. That's <laughs> it's a real commitment to the to the darkness, I might say. Like you know, it's pretty impressive. Chronic show up, and of course, Chronic who are fresh off their hot run in the World Wrestling Federation, Adam. Oh, they will be, actually, yeah. They'll have, they'll have actually just finished working this last summer with Bugger Red and Kane. I didn't realise that. Yeah, and now, folks, prepare yourself for what is no doubt, up until this point, the most cursed line that has ever been uttered on commentary by anyone involved in wrestling ever. No politics, no backroom dealing here tonight. This is chronic being chronic, and that's the way it's meant to be. What? Ooh. Now, they're implying, I take it from this, that they had a bad run of it in WWF because of politics, the bullshit, and the backroom dealing. Adam, the only reason they got a job yeah. was because Undertaker did a deal in a back room to get him on pay-per-view. Legit. Like, that is exactly the reason they were even a part of the invasion was because of politics. Is he trying to put them down in a heelish way, sort of saying like, oh, here we go, here they are tonight. No politics, no backroom deals. This is chronic the way they're meant to be. Fucking shit is what they are, mate. <laughs> Because, like, when they were saying, oh, you know, they, they had their hands tied. I was like, oh, well, yeah, because when they wrestled the match, they did work and sell like they had, like, their arms tied or they were being, like, restrained in some, you know. <laughs> like, the, 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 you know, those really hard-to-remove plastic tags when you get yep. a whistled-up statue in the mail to keep it, you know, solid in the packaging of the housing. Maybe that's what they meant. But, like, I can't think of any more ba- blatant politics than Chronic appearing in the WWF. And Chronic being shown the door almost immediately was actually one of the few instances of like the politics not sticking and not working where they said, look, you may be mates with Undertaker, the BSK for life and yeah. all of that. Represent one time. Let me hear it. But you're shit. Yeah, so that's fuck not off. enough. You gotta go. Like, <laughs> and maybe, I don't know, maybe they got worked and maybe, you know, Mark Bannon is like, can you believe what Stephen Richards did to my boys Chronic? Can you believe the politics and the bullshit of Stephen Richards? You know, that he would take Chronic and ruin them like that. <laughs> we get the worst full Nelson slam ever from frail whale Brian Adams, who looks like he's about to die while giving the maneuver, from a man who's legitimately two feet shorter than him and probably a hundred pounds lighter. Wait a minute, now that's not the move... Because I, I don't know exactly what the move was. I've not written down a description for it here, but I have written down here that at some point Brian Adam hits the fatty boom batty. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Because he couldn't he couldn't lift him up. He couldn't lift him up because the shipment of fucking venom hadn't come in from from from, from Poison Ivy, you know. Uma Thurman was a bit busy that day, so he hasn't gotten his he was too frail, so he tried to pick him up and and then his fucking arms and legs fell off. He says fatty boom batty for a guy who's legitimately much, much, much lighter. Like mm. what the fuck? So, sorry, he's fat because this guy who fucking oh. eats weights for breakfast can't pick him up. No, 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 no. Fatty Boom Batty is a weed reference, mate. That's What? The... <laughs> what? For the sake of, like, anonymity, there is a guy that me and Kevin used to know back in Lincoln that I heard him on one occasion. He referred to a joint as a Fatty Boom Batty. <laughs> he's obviously a very cool, cool dude indeed, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm not up to date. Like, even though I've watched all the Kevin Smith movies, I'm not up to date <laughs> on my crude under the toilet humor and references. Like. <laughs> we end the match. Hopefully, we'll end the show. We get the line of the night. That was great to see, guys. No politics for Chronic. Glenn Gilbert is like, yeah, and uh, no win for the native whatchamacallits. I, I've I've got a note here that I'm quite pleased with. Um, disco insufferable. <laughs> uh, I also have disco dick face. If you want to use that. <laughs> 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 oh and just just in case like you know the quick kind of like Whoa, i'm just gonna say something else to make you forget about all that horrible shit i said about native americans he's just like hey brian christopher he's a jacked up spaz again great one more time i love i love it's like it is really like smackdown versus raw where like you get the line about like oh finley he's from northern ireland i don't like the look of that peace process cole yeah you know? <laughs> the sound bites <laughs> we, let's hear it over and over and over and over and over again in 10 minutes <sighs> we got another long shot of Madden, Disco, and JB. Mm-hmm. JB corpses, which point I lost all respect for him, but they made him laugh with their banter. Like, yeah, fuck come you, on. Guys. Surely fuck you're you. above that. You have just become Richard Hammond in this group of terrible men. <laughs> Your silence said plenty. Your little smirks speak volumes. <laughs> oh, we're going to do a joke about ice cream and gay people. Oh, I'm game for that. Come Yay. on, lads. Away. Puppet the Midget Killer is a name I'm actually familiar with, Adam. Oh, okay. Believe. okay. Puppet the Midget Killer showed up in TNA in its early runs in Nashville. And I say this having seen a lot of shit in those early TNA days, mm. that he is one of the most crude, hard to watch and disgusting acts I've ever seen. Because the, the whole act is that he hates little people. Yeah. He, he uses every... like. His thing is like, hey, I bet you didn't know this slur, because I'm I'm a little person and I do, and we use this one all the time because we because I'm self-loathing and it's so mean. His gimmick is that he wants to kill all little people yep. to prove that he is the American-made original. Like he's like proper cocaine promo. Like he is full-on Scott Steiner, yeah. Ultimate Warrior, unhinged. Biggest claim to fame is TNA. He had a segment backstage where he was in a trash can masturbating and asked each of you if she wanted any of his porridge that he was making. Oh, the, what the fuck? What? Jeremy B. That's who wrote this shit. <laughs> fucking Jeremy B. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. What the fuck is that? Hey, what if we put him in a trash can and had him make some glue and then we talk about the gloop with the sexy lady? For fuck's sake. <gasps> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here's Puppet the Midget Killer. Now, we know he's been spewing his ooze backstage. But what's he going to do when he gets his hand on Theo, who he also hates, as well as himself, assumably? It's it's horrible, Adam. It's really horrible. <laughs> of all the things that that storyline did not need, come, should not. Come. His courage. Why? Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. What could make this match worse? It's Scott Steiner. Oh, Yay! And he's got Nova Jasia with him, but he does have what I believe to be chainmail hair, because when he takes it off, it's all like spiky and nappy. (laughs) And as he starts beating them up, line from Mark Madden, yeah, they deserve this. They were asking for it, apparently. 
What the fuck? I like, don't what? know if it's because of them doing this segment right after that previous segment with the little people, or if it's because he's just not that over, but really not that big a response for Scott Steiner coming out either. Yeah, I don't, honestly, I don't think they care. No, they, they really don't. don't. Uh, we get the promo from Scott Steiner, who is just about to sign with the WWE, so he has one eye towards the door right now, folks. <laughs> but here we go. We got some... Uh, I'm going to attempt with this Scott Steiner promo because it genuinely, even by his standards, was illegible. And everybody knows that I am the affectionado Poochang Bouchoir Snapper and Clam. And when I arrive at the Big Pony, I definitely basta. Now, last night I took Miss May up to my bungalow and I sure took off on the mountaintop and pissed and cocked till she called me the big bear, booty daddy. And then I gave up after that. Oh, there's more. There's more. And you know what I love most is that the only word that he said very, very clearly was bungalow. <laughs> <laughs> like, at one point, he, he said the word that I thought he said bourgeois. I'm like, what? What? Is he like, what? <laughs> Is he reading Marx? What's going on? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he demands a fight. Disco Inferno gets beaten up to silence. Yep. Complete silence. Like, I think they're like, oh, the fans will want to see this. Nah. No, they don't care. The fans don't give a fuck about this. The only thing that I actually even remotely took interest in in this little beatdown we have here, because it's not a match, is it? It's just like, it's Kane and The Undertaker at WrestleMania 20. It's just a little fight for the sake of it. There's a bit where Steiner does a big top rope belly to belly to Disco Inferno, and the the landing and the, the actual bump itself is so loud it pushes all the audio into the left channel for some reason. <laughs> and I think that's a great gimmick. Like, oh my oh god, my that god. move was so big! All the audio has gone mono as a result. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as I saw Eddie Guerrero come out and think, oh, wow, Eddie's on the card. Why isn't he in the main event instead of Brian Christopher? Like, it's Eddie Guerrero. They clearly don't. They don't give a shit about him. He's a WCW opening act as far as they're concerned. The crowd don't care much for Eddie either. He's not treated like a star. He's treated like one of the six guys in the opener. He's just a cruiserweight, pretty much. And I tell you something that will make you seem like not a star at all is when this match is fucking beginning and the announcer goes, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, now, at our last pay-per-view, the inception from Australia. It was Juventus. Now, Mike obviously damaged by uh, the back of the Disco Inferno suplex right on our announcers, Mike, for God's sake. Did we sue Disco Inferno to make the paper damage to the Ladies microphone? and gentlemen. Juventud Guerrera, the former. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Hell, I'll go at it. Ladies and gentlemen, psychosis in the ring now. Movies in the ring, please. Psychosis on his Ladies way to the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest is a three-way dance. Ladies and gentlemen, six times. I counted six times, he says. Ladies and gentlemen, because his mic keeps fucking up. Oh, I, I counted seven because I included Mark Madden making fun of him going, God, stop doing it. It's so annoying. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. You made it worse. Jesus. You don't make jokes about that. Yeah, the ring announcer really fucking shit the bed there. Just go quiet. Don't keep saying ladies and no. gentlemen. 
I was really done with JV here when he was like doing the whole fucking shtick about we're not like those other companies those other companies who take great cruiserweights and they present them in a comedic manner they belittle them they make fun of them here we respect the cruiserweights because we believe these men are athletes and they deserve our respect I'm like mate what the fuck you have just literally carried out any ethnic minority for shits and giggles on the house mic and like little people and you're gonna mm -hmm. do it for gay people later on yeah you piece of shit oh well don't judge jb on his on his actions towards you know native americans or gay people or little people judge him on the real ethnic minority group the cruiserweights because cruiserweights <laughs> have historically had such a hard time in this country you know when the cruiserweights first came over on ellis islands many of them had to change their weight limits and it was so unfair that they made them do that eddie guerrero's not 235 pounds why did you make why did you make dean malenko oh his finisher is not the cloverleaf it's meant to be a top rope arm drive but you oh you didn't respect the cruiserweight the cruiserweight culture <laughs> Okay, so here comes the part, inevitably, in the WWA episode where we had to take a break of several days. <laughs> There's been a whole weekend since we last sat down to do this. Now, you wouldn't mind, like, I don't think up until that point there was, like, an absolute moment where it's like, no, nah, fuck it, fuck that, like, no, absolute, this is it now, like, because it was just in the middle of a match we just decided randomly now to stop. Yeah. Because things were working against us. I had thought the pay-per-view recording would take us in and around you know much like the pay-per-view itself i thought it would take us two and a half hours and here we were nearly at four and a half hours of chatting and uh we, we were still going and i i'm not about sure about you adam but i wasn't quite as aware how close to bottoming out i was as when skype decided to just stop like letting us record or, yeah. or audio <laughs> That Skype was basically saying that's quite a long episode for a bonus episode so I think we're just going to stop it here even though we had other intentions yeah like Skype were just like leave the politics out of it mate yeah we could rather do without any of that you know just let's leave it there you know what let's give them a nice long weekend to think about it and then come back fresh eyes mm -hmm. yeah fresh attitudes yep. yeah fresh attitudes towards the W wa oh it's uh, this isn't it yeah i had it in my calendar that we were doing a smackdown crawl today and i was like oh no. that'll be nice that'll be something no. to look forward to no wwa no. baby not until you finish your sunday which oh. is the uh, <laughs> it'll take you roughly the length of an entire sunday to get through the wwa so come on look 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 you and i we both know the fact that if you you let your buffs cool over the weekend mm -hmm. all right you have a chance to kind of let let the mind get cleared, air out the yep. dirty the dirty thoughts and all that. Okay, we're okay here now. Let's go into the notes. All right, here we go. Joe has beans on a crumpet, and I wonder what that's like. <laughs> you don't. I don't know if the, I don't know if the old notes now are actually going to be getting us through this as as much at all now. Hey, Big Show, you remember me, don't you? I'm the Big Shot. Well, here's me excited. This was the light at the end of the tunnel that kept me going the whole goddamn show because, you know, I'm always excited when the suicidal, homicidal, genocidal, death-defying maniac Sabu shows up in the house. And now that Devin Storm has gotten less interesting and is not going to wear <laughs> jean shorts, well, that'll be, that'll be fun. And you know, once we heard that there's technical ecstasy involved, I'm sure oh, that'll be a grand old time. Yeah, what do you think to Devin Storm's new attitude, new look? This isn't the Devin Storm or the Alan Funk that you know and love, Adam. 
Now, I think we saw Devin Storm in one of our old WCW episodes. We, yes, and the last WWA as and well. The, and the last WWA. So this is like at least the third time we've encountered him on the podcast. And I still couldn't tell you a thing about him. Everyone's saying about his new attitude here tonight. I was like, is it? I Because honestly, you could have me fooled. <laughs> like he may have just started combing his hair for all I know. Okay, now I don't think I've got enough wherewithal about him to really go to town and tell you why he's great and all that. Other than like he's one of my he's one of my perennial faves. I, I kind of uh-huh. expressed earlier how I felt that he he kind of flew under the radar and his timing was wrong for, for Devin Storm, a man who found himself in ECW in nineteen ninety six, WB in nineteen ninety seven, WCW in nineteen ninety nine, and WWA in two thousand and two and Heat in two thousand and three. You know, he, he was everywhere. <laughs> I'll say one thing that he did in that WCW episode that might make you remember why you like him. He mm. is the guy who took a flatback bump out of his trousers. Oh, his trousers. You told me this on the last WWA <laughs> episode as well. Like, why no, can't no, I remember like that Crowbar though. is the trouser man? Crowbar, Devin Storm, trousers. Devin Storm, trousers. I'm trying to get that drilled in there now. Just do you remember the old phrase, Jesus, I need a fucking crowbar to get these trousers on. Just remember that <laughs> phrase. That, you know. Is that a crowbar in your trousers? <laughs> Mr. Freeman, is that a crowbar in your trousers? Or are you just happy <laughs> to see me? <laughs> so his new gimmick is that he wears black tights. He right. doesn't smile or emote a lot. Okay. And he kind of looks like heel Al Snow when Al Snow turned heel. Oh, yeah, I get that, actually. I get that. That's sort of more serious, like, no, I'm switching everything off and I'm just about coming out and fighting now. Like, I get that. The worst thing adam i don't know has it ever been done well i fucking hate it when someone is like i've had a change in personality I've, i'm not saying as well that devon storm is meant to be heel but when someone's like i've had a change in personality mm-hmm. and that new personality is that i now speak emotionally <laughs> and that you will never hear me hello i am jack swagger and i have become the world heavyweight champion <laughs> i am seth rollins and now i am a messiah I am a new <laughs> character. You know what? I just don't go quiet when you're meant to change. Change from anything. Yeah. And unless you're like, no way, Jose, then you can go quiet. But otherwise, don't shut up when you change your character. I hate that so much. So Chris Jericho, that's acceptable then, yeah? When he like started wearing suits and he went all quiet and reserved. like That's fine that's... because he was so wild yeah. before. He was Chris Jericho before, and that was like he went full on in with it. You know, he went, he had no t shirts. He and also he'd seen no country for old men, hadn't he? So, of course, and, he had, yeah. And also, if you remembered at the time, no one else in WWE had seen that movie, <laughs> so no one else still got, has, I believe. No like, one else, shh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want about next year's WrestleMania will open with a fucking impersonator of Javier Bardem or something like just, just as culturally relevant as this year's? Like, I very rarely think it's like, you know what, this guy's missing abject silence and a lack of expression. Like, you know, this is so because I think Jericho works as you said, because it was such a hard shift from where he was. Mm. But very mm-hmm. often, it's other characters who are like, I talk a bit, now I'm going to go all quiet and unemotional. No, I don't mm. like it, I don't care for it. And that was what I loved about TNA as well in the early days is that Sabu would just show up randomly. Like, like he was the very much the, the, the mercenary, the hired hands <laughs> that you could bring in for a dangerous match in wrestling. And it took Mark Madden 10 minutes, but he did draw attention to the fact that we are, of course, in the Aladdin Casino and uh, Sabu. Uh, okay. Well, boy, he, he, he sure is an out of place here, isn't he? Because mm-hmm. uh, of those puffy pants of his, right? 
Got baggy trousers, mate, like Aladdin, mate. Yeah, he's like, yeah. make Devon Storm the genie or something. <laughs> Wait, although Mark I will Madden. say, Al Snow could have had a time as the genie. You know, he would have, he would have done it well. Al Snow would make an excellent dickhead genie, like yes. a monkey's paw kind of genie that twists your wish for you. you. All the time, like, <laughs> Stop this! Real on the on the pulse here, the announcers. Man, with all this blood from Sabu, I wonder if Bella Lugosi's gonna show up. Am I right? What? Is that the Bella most up to date vampire you know of? Like fucking hell. Bella Lugosi, come on, come on, come Bella Lugosi. That's uh. Also, uh, Bella Lugosi, not a vampire. <laughs> okay, look, Bella Lugosi. He's he's just something that the kids like. You know, when Bella Lugosi was born in 1882. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, come on, you're talking about a movie. His, you're talking about a movie that when this pay-per-view came out was 71 years old. This pay-per-view is ages... This is from ages ago. 71 years old. Why is that their, their frame of reference for Dracula? That's, that's 89 years ago from now. From now! <laughs> Who? <I> mean, <laughs> you've got Vampire Warrior on your fucking roster, mate. Can't you at least draw reference to him, maybe? Clearly. Well, he's, not, he's no sign of, of, of gangers tonight, like, so... Not tonight, but he was on. He was all over the UK tour with Luna. He's around. He, yeah, well, we get a sunset flip. The three count is stopped by Fonzie. And then Sabu hits... You know what? The issue is Sabu often will hit moves, and unless you're mm -hmm. Joey Styles, who can just be like Arabian Diddly Ding Dong and just you know, come yeah. up with names on the spot. We get this from Jeremy Borash, who really wants to put over Sabu, but can't really describe what move he's just seen. So, beautiful maneuver there from Sabu. One of those moves that those of us who know Sabu and followed his career <laughs> know he will do. <laughs> <laughs> We know yep. it so well. We know everything about it except the name. Oh, man. You know this guy, those maneuvers that he did. This is like, you know, if you're in the audience, like, you know, and you're there as, like, I don't know, an undercover agent just spy on wrestling. You're like, ah, yes. These maneuvers <laughs> that we often see. We all know the names of those. Hello, fellow WWE Universe member. <laughs> we get somewhere around this sequence, I think. One of them does a body slam whilst holding a chair over his opponent's back, like yep. slams him with the chair. When that happens, I swear to God, it sounds like a fucking cannon goes. Like, I genuinely believe they've dubbed a cannon over this sound. <laughs> Please, just have a listen to this, because it is fucking ridiculous how loud it is body slam on the chair jesus how hard did he hit him he fucking there should be a crater in the ring after a sound effect like that <laughs> this is why we didn't come back to the aladdin concedo because it was just like the the foundations have been destroyed after <laughs> that, that genre changing explosion and, you know, when you have the big surprise mint, what do you usually do? The lights go out, yep. or you play the music, whatever it is. Here's how we do in the WWE. The music plays. The music stops. The person starts to appear. The wrong music plays. Mm. The music stops. Then they play their music. Then they come out. And who is it, Kevin? 
It's Rick Steiner. Uh, Rick Steiner's here. So uh, the dog-faced gremlin. That's who my wisely... favorite, favorite fucking nickname in all of wrestling. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen much, but in the new Animal Crossing, you get achievements and you unlock like little titles and then you can piece them together yeah, on yeah, your passport. Yeah. I want to set mine as Dogface Gremlin. Dog so face. fucking bad. It's such a funny I don't know, name. maybe there was a Gremlin-faced dog that Billy showed us once, <laughs> but I'm not sure if it's uh, the same thing or not. So, yeah, Rick Stein is here. I know he's not tagging with his brother or here to talk about his wise investment of property in the Las Vegas, Nevada region. <laughs> no... Instead, he's here to team up with Ernest the Cat Miller, another recognisable name from WCW, who I don't think is as recognisable or as popular as anyone reckons, because, I mean, Ricky got a pop when he came out. Yes, he he did. did. He did, for sure. Cat goes on the microphone, and Mark Madden is very, very, uh, he's worried. He's like, oh, no, Ernest the Cat Miller's here. You know what that means, JB? And he's like, what does that mean, Mark? He goes, means he's going to call me fat. And I don't know if it's, like, a thing from WCW, mm-hmm. where, like, Ernest the Cat Miller, like, preyed upon Mark Madden. Yeah. And Mark Madden, in kayfabe, is the most, like, horrible, vile villain on commentary. He He's horrible and all that Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. And, yes, they managed to do this bit where Ernest Miller is meant to come out and, like, make a bit of fun of him. It's so mean. He comes off so really nasty. Really that nasty. That I found myself really, really empathizing with Mark Madden because I've been in the situation where someone's come out and been like look at him he's fat he's fat and they go over and just start hitting him and he's like fucking stop yeah. it stop it you fucking fat are you come in you've been fucking fat and like oh, whoa alright okay and that's it like that's what Ernest does he doesn't come out and say somebody call my mama or do a dance or, or talk about anything fun he's like hey where's that fat fucker Mark yeah. Madden fat you're fat come here come here he's like, he's like watching Joe Biden do a stump speech it's really horrible <laughs> All right, fat, let's go out. I'll kick your ass, fat. Come on, let's do it, man. Come on. Deeply fucking unpleasant. It's so horrible. Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. So I've written down here four times you can do this, Kevin. So oh, rest buddy. assured, folks at home, oh, I can. You can. I can. I, I believe in I, you. I know I... Well, I was going to say I know I can. I knew I could back then. And you did. And I did, but that was back then, so it's it's anyone's guess now. Brian Christopher seems to be a unique individual in that he has his too cool music. Just Yeah, what the fuck? Some people don't even have any music, and this guy has his fucking WWF licensed theme, not to mention the gear and everything. He's literally just copy and pasted into this promotion. (laughs) It's it's just literally Grandmaster Sexy, Brian Christopher of the tag team Too (laughs) Cool. From the World yep. Wrestling Federation. Remember? And what I love most about it is that he comes in and he's doing, you know, that... And he's dancing around uh-huh. and the crowd, are, the crowd are into it. And then it just, it's like, he's dancing, he's feeling embarrassed. And then it stops That's really it. abruptly. That's enough. And Brian Christopher, mid-dance, is like, what the hell's going on, man? Yep. He's so, like freaked out and i really wanted so bad at that point to be like ah, i'm the wwe you can't use my music and what no 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, oh it would have made a few of them jump adam it would have made a few of them jump what it is is i definitely think saint andrew had got the itunes 45 second free sample of that song <laughs> and figured because it's free we can play this as many times as we like yeah and what you should have told there is when when jeff jerk came out and it goes cho cho chosen one <laughs> 
I did not have sexual relations <laughs> with that woman. <laughs> I just felt very compressed then and wrong, you know? We were just, it was 2002. We were working what we had, you know? I will say, as shitty as that is, as crap as that is, and as unimaginative as that is, yeah. I do feel like that little Brian Christopher promo woke the crowd up a little bit. A little bit. It did, because he actually said something, and it made yeah. people anticipate things happening which yes. god forbid something actually happens <laughs> he dances and then his pants fall down <laughs> is it a shoot or is it a work i genuinely <laughs> don't know i think that was a work those are work trousers okay i really find this out because you know we're obviously coming up to the montreal screw job and we had a very lengthy chat on twitter with someone who thought that we we believed that montreal was <laughs> yeah. uh, was a uh, was a uh, was a work which i think fine. is so funny that we've We've only been doing this for seven years, mind. Like, you know, yes, anytime yes, it pops up. But in that person's defense, they were really high when they thought that. So it's okay. That's that, that's all right. Hey, man, I'm, you know what, mate? I'm high on chronic matches. That's what I'm high on, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, right. I will not have any sort of a chat about whether or not Montreal is a shoe or a work. But I will go in deep on this. Right. Brian Christopher, number one. Pants falling down would wake the crowd up unexpected. Yeah. So work, right? Mm -hmm. Also, Brian Christopher sold it with a big smiley face. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Again, could be a work. Shoot. Mm -hmm. He didn't wear funny underwear. Oh. And I feel that if your trousers are going to fall down, you would wear funny underwear. And he had such an unhumorous underwear. That's true. Such an unhumorous jockstrap on him, you know? Also, as well, he looks like he has lost a considerable amount of muscle mass since his WWE days. Mm. So, them pants could have just been slung, you know? And yeah. slung pants will do what they do. But they only fall down the once in the whole match. Oh, that, that underwear yeah. point is a really good point, though. i got to say, if, if anyone at home knows the true story behind Brian Christopher's underwear in this match, please do write in, because I'm curious. You know what it is? If his pants fell down on any other night on the tour, then it's a then it's a work because there's no reason that he would have it worked up like that. His pants could do that and he not do it twice. Yes, that's true. That's true. Because they have done one bump in ten minutes <laughs> and a lot of audience interaction. It's now time to go into the crowd. Yeah, we get a crowd for and the pop of the night. It's when the crowd see themselves on the big screen. Whee, that's what we all came they here for, mate. Love that. Yeah. They're like, yeah, let's go in the crowd. It'll pop and big. Why? Because they'll see themselves on the big screen. I <laughs> love it, man. Double J doing muscle poses in the middle of the match, and I said this had like private birthday party levels of intensity. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Jeff Jarrett doing muscle poses and after I beat Brian Christopher there ain't gonna be no pinata and you make the cry daddy no you said there'd be a pinata Shh, don't worry it's just he's just working you that's all okay it's just a work you have to it's learn how the business show. works yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and then, then you turn to your wife and kids like little marks over there like <laughs> all this shit <laughs> can you believe it man Oh, uh, I want a wrestler for my 30th next year. I think that'd be fun. I mean, I wouldn't mind hiring a couple of wrestlers to do a, to do a spot show, you know? Yeah, just just a little match, nothing huge. Like, I mean, look, I'd, I'd pay better than hot dogs and popcorn, 
Like you'd you'd get a you'd get a payday from me. I, I have to say, Adam, yeah. you and I would be generous than many promoters in the region that if you and I were to have wrestling at our birthday. <laughs> I'd agree. The catering would be good, like the, the company would be nice. We'd make sure that they're they're well looked after. We'd set up a green room and everything. I, I think there's good money to be made there for wrestlers that are looking to do specifically mine and yours birthdays. So anyone out there, keep that in mind. Also, if you are a wrestler who's got like a face painting gimmick or like a catering gimmick, you could kind of, <laughs> you know, do a bit of a package deal there. Magician, I don't know, Phantasmo's working still, like, you know? <laughs> a rare sighting out in the wild, but we get a very, very big and long gla-gate-going-nowhere super yeah, hold baby. in the middle. Well, that was a big competition in Memphis yeah, wrestling for many, right many, now. many years. No now it's carried right over. Now. Whoop! He ain't going nowhere now. Oh, no, we don't want to He's proper into it tonight. Like. And he says it again. He says, I say it, he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I told you he ain't is, going like. nowhere. Then he stops it. He goes up to the audience. Hey, you, I thought I told you that he wasn't going nowhere. And he does it again. Like. Body slam on the chair. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Attitude Era podcast. Bono Whip Show. Bono Whip Show. Bono Whip Show. Jesus. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and once again, it's me, your old pal, the Tantric Cowboy Kevin Mann. <gasps> Joined as I am always, down under, by the Master of Beans himself, Mr. Adam Bibolo. How are you doing for our third trip? Last time it took us a year, yep. this time it's less than a month. Yep. In case it wasn't already <laughs> quite clear, folks, we're doing a bit of WWA while the world is on hold right now. So, yeah, a little bit less of a gap this time around. I'm feeling... I'm... I'm... I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to even pretend, Kevin. I'm so upset. I was really optimistic about this one. I wrote down... You were, you were optimistic after... And I, I, I will want this to be very much known. The only episode of the Attitude Era podcast, bonus, main timeline, patron-only content, whatever the fuck, it is the only time where we've had to say, no, we have to stop now. That's enough. For our friendship and for our podcast, we're leaving it there. We played video games for 24 hours straight on a camera, (laughs) including Adam doing an eight-hour shift at a cafe, and that didn't make us say, no, we need to have a little break. Yes. But WWA Revolution certainly did. Yes, but I've heard of a little thing. You may have heard this as well, Kevin. It's a little thing called Third Time's the Charm. And I I had it in my head that the third go-round would be... You know, like, Matrix 1 was eh, Matrix yeah. 2 was eh, Matrix the, Revolutions. Yeah. Like, Obviously, oh, like... now they've got it. Like, And that's why I expected Now they're making a rainbow for Neo. Now it's my fucking jam here. I'm understanding what's going on. I'm going to fucking erupt myself, Kevin, if we don't start talking about what's happened since the revolution here. Now, of course, we're, we're sharing the load here as always, but I can't help but think what has happened in the intervening months in the WWE story will probably be more substantial than what I have in terms of 
the canon of St. Andrew McManus as it pertains yeah. to 2020. Well, that's it. With part one and part two, we were like, I decided to take the reins on the company research. You decided to take the reins on the McManus research. And that worked well in part one, where we had a lot to establish. And then part two, which we recorded like well over a year later, there was this huge update for Andrew McManus. All this crazy shit had been going on. And now part three is only what, like four or five weeks since we recorded last time please tell me there's been some developments there absolutely has adam yeah okay and i don't want people to think here that just because the time scale is small that i have a masters of research i will have you know okay (laughs) i i I have an m res which means that if there's anyone who can find it it's me right i've scanned the literature and you may think there's nothing to talk about andrew mcmanus right Mm -hmm. but i do have updates on andrew mcmanus and you might think oh but it's nothing to do with the court case anymore kevin well i've got an update about that as well though (laughs) what what would you like to know first an update on the whole scandal the court case Mm. or would you like to have an update on saint andrew Andrew himself. Let's take the court case first and foremost, Kevin. Okay. In a stunning development in the last few weeks, according to the Sydney Herald, where I have been following the absolute biggest crime spree, $700,000, excuse me, sorry, dollary dudes exchanging hands. You know, we had gamblers, personal trainers, and a crooked lawyer, Michael Croker, at the centre of it all. Mm. Who, who, he went down, and we know Andrew McManus, he, he was remanded in jail, but yes. he hasn't went to prison. Michael Croker, the head cheese and all this, he did go to prison. Oh. And I can update you all now, folks, and this was behind a paywall in the Telegraph. I can update you now <laughs> that Michael Croker is fearing for his life in prison. Oh, really? Yeah, he says he's, he's he gave an interview and he said he's fearing for his life. Does he does he think that like Andrew McManus is so well connected that there's going to be a bit of a Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> situation going on here? Like. I I think it, it could be an element of that as well. <laughs> also as well, he was he's a he's a criminal defense lawyer, so uh-huh. I kind of think there might be like kind of a Rorschach element of like thinking like you know you're locked in here with me, you know that type of thing going on. <laughs> that just sounded like Braun Strowman. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's 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 that on that end of things, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Saint Andrew landed on his feet. He's oh, yeah. now lobbying the Australian government for a full-on return to the Australian Summer Music Festival concerts, which he believes will be able to run completely unhindered in the are era you, of COVID nineteen. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, Adam. There's some simple steps, okay? And I'd usually mm-hmm. try and avoid the COVID chat, but when mm-hmm. it's pertinent to the topic, I won't sidestep it. And it's very important because, look, there's going to be a lot of festivals in Australia. And mm. as Andrew McManus says, as long as only 70% occupancy and everyone downloads the app, mm. then there won't be any sickness. So I don't see why we have to wait any longer. It, so there's an app that can actually prevent you from catching anything. Is that right? No, you to download the app... Right, yeah. mm. and then you go to the concert, uh-huh. but there'll only be seventy percent capacity, and they'll all make sure as well. That's it. You, you oh, you were you you at home going? What's that? They'll make sure, so it'll be all right. <laughs> he really is the Australian Vince McMahon, isn't he? <laughs> it is, and here's the thing as well. What was difficult about this, folks? All right, and this is where the old research acumen had to come into play. There are so many Australian music promoters who are really? in for shit. There are so many. 
and it's actually hard to sift through because if you like type in embattled Australian concert promoter, you get all sorts and you have to pan for gold. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's an epidemic over there of sorts. And the epidemic in question may be that you've got a lot of wrongins running Lenny Kravitz shows in your country, Australia, sort it out. Poor Lenny Kravitz that his name has forever been forever been tarred with this brush now. Ah, well, there you go. That's when you get to being an acolyte of St. Andrew McManus. <laughs> okay, Double J, things aren't going so great. It looks like he's probably not going to be on the eruption, so we'll have to figure that out soon. But speaking of the eruption, we need to start advertising. We need to start letting people know what kind of stars they can expect to see on our next pay-per-view tour. So... Andrew McManus, remember, he made that pledge on WrestlingObserver.com. He solemnly vowed, from this day on, I will only advertise wrestlers that are signed to contracts with the World Wrestling All-Stars. He started advertising the following names. Let me guess, the, the, two, the two fruits, uh, Lenny and Lodi. <laughs> uh, who else? You know, all, all the big names, you know, Puppet and Theo, those are signed. Oh. Star X, we got them all in a 20-year legacy deal with an option <laughs> to buy out for equity in WWE later on. Okay, so appearing tonight on the, today's episode of the AE Podcast, The Eruption, we're going to be seeing the stars such as <gasps> Sid Vicious, Ooh. Disco Inferno, okay. Jeff Jarrett, Road Dog, mm. Buff Bagwell, Stevie Ray, Jerry Lynn, Eddie Guerrero, okay, Rey yeah. Mysterio, Ooh. Scott Steiner, Brian Christopher, Sabu, Chronic, Devon Storm, okay. Ernest the Cat Miller, Hooven yeah. 2 Guerrero, and the front row Nathan Jones. He's back, baby! Here he is, back on AE Podcast. Nathan Jones is here again. According to Dave Meltzer, none of these people had signed a contract with the WWA. Not even Nathan Jones! They hadn't even got front row signed, Kevin. Are you telling me that the Australian superstar, the colossus of Booger Red Road, and the man who is currently the WWA World Heavyweight Champion defending in Australia... Is not yep. signed to a deal with this Australian company. No. No, he's how? not. How? I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea how this keeps happening at this you point. You know why? It's probably because, if, I, if I'm actually thinking now, we're at like, we're roughly around the point of WrestleMania 18 or a little bit before then in the timeline here. And mm -hmm. I know that a lot of the names that you mentioned here are people who would then show up, like Rey Mysterio, he shows up in WWE. You know, Nathan mm -hmm. Jones, he shows up in WWE, forgettable as it was and brief mm -hmm. as it was. And I wonder if, like the XWF, if WWE setting itself to be a global phenomenon has accidentally made itself into a bargaining chip for wrestlers. It really feels like it, yeah. Because just about <laughs> everyone of note that comes through the doors here will be in WWE within a couple of months. Like, How do you think Josh Matthews got signed to that fat, juicy contract? <laughs> yeah, he, he walked in there with that XWF offer on the table and they're like, hi folks, I'm Josh Matthews and I hate everyone. You're fucking signed, mate. Get me to velocity. <laughs> hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. JB is through gritted teeth here tonight. He's seen he's seen the green fields of TNA, Adam, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, last, last time we did one of these, we both sort of made the kind of semi-prediction that maybe JB wouldn't be around for the eruption because there was a few moments last time where the mask slipped and we could see that, like, oh, the company man isn't so happy here after yeah. all. Tonight, he's not even hiding it. He looks fucking miserable. Yeah, he's handed in his notice, like, you know, this, this is what it yeah. feels like here. This is this is the sassiest JB possible, which means that he's slightly less annoying Josh Matthews. 
<laughs> and who's with JB tonight, Kevin? It's everyone's favourite commentator, and either, depending on your viewpoint, the smartest dumbass in wrestling, or the dumbest smart person in wrestling, it's Disco Dickface. There is literally, directly behind him, a fan with a big yellow sign that says, Disco Dickhead, and it's there for so much of tonight, like... All right, I need to need to level with you folks. We get some excellent fan art, uh, particularly on the, our patrons over at patreon.com slash a podcast. Send us oh in some, God, yeah. some gold. And there's sometimes where we're left with something that we literally <laughs> don't know what to do with. And to the fine gentleman who spent a nice bit of time doing us a beautiful piece of art of disco dick face, literally imagined as, as described. And then we're there sitting going, where can we upload this? Because like... We can't. Uh, <laughs> what's even better about that is as well as the person that sent it it wasn't like they just dropped it on our doorstep they sent you a message on patreon being like hey guys i've made some fan art but i don't know where's the best place to send what it so then like? we we get all excited like oh here comes some fan art and it's disco inferno with a penis on his face yeah the, the private message behind a paywall of someone saying hey you want to see some fan art is very much the brown trench coat like to see it in there instead <laughs> dm us we'll show you disco dick face it's fine jb he's kind of a little bit marble mouth tonight not helped really greatly by the audio quality being quite mm. poor and their audio cuts out quite a few times throughout tonight yep. He, I think, says we're looking forward to seeing the matches, but as JB does in his own style, goes, certainly we are looking forward to seeing Madden here tonight. And I was like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, fuck off. What? Are you you hyping Madden? Is he going to come out of the volcano? (laughs) You never made Igneous Rock, I did. For fuck's sake. Big big shout out to all the private messages as well. We're like, yeah, he's a dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) Just say it quietly behind closed doors. Yeah, there's someone who's like, I live in Pittsburgh and he's the worst. I hate him. I hate him. Why won't he stop? (laughs) Solidarity, folks. Fucking solidarity. (laughs) Again, let's get all the positives out of the way at the start. Adam, here's a question for you. Who's that ring announcer? Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Wrestling fans around the world, my name is Mark Erickson. Welcome to the Rod Laver Tennis Centre here in Melbourne, Australia. The World Wrestling All-Star Wrestling Extravaganza. I haven't a blues clue who this fella is, but I fucking love him. I am obsessed with this ring announcer. Like, look look how big I wrote, who's that ring announcer? <laughs> that is a who's that Pokemon-sized font right there. And you know what I love most about it is that the ring announcer, inexplicably, as I was literally in the room going, who's that ring announcer? goes, hello, everyone. My name is Mark Erickson. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Mark Erickson, who was unfortunately one of those names where when I tried to Google him and all the permutations of his name, I found literally nothing. I found one Mm. GeoCity site that listed him as a local boxing announcer slash promoter who would have, you know, been in the circles or whatnot in the kind of small pool of Australian wrestling. Mm. And he looks like he's not up to the job. He looks like kind of like... He has pub landlord energy in that he's up for a laugh and all that, but you want a loved one to tap him on the shoulder going, are you sure you want to do the karaoke now? It's been a long shift and you've had nine pints. 
I you know say you... he looks like he's not up to the job. I'll go on further, Kevin, and say he's not up to the job. <laughs> <laughs> he says the World Wrestling All-Star Wrestling Extravaganza. <laughs> and that the world the, 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 the World Wrestling Association all, all, all Sports All All-Stars Association ex- Extravaganza. He accidentally called it World Wrestling All Sorts. Like it's fucking big slickerish. <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously there to bring the fire and a little bit of that oomph he's meant to be kind of like Michael Buffer I think they're going for because yeah. he's like ladies and gentlemen the world wrestling all star all star wrestling sports travaganza ganja ganja eruption oh. he fucking passes something gaskish mm-hmm. winds solids I don't know kidney stone but that eruption that caused an emission that's all I'm saying oh. <laughs> he has never done this before i would suggest adam doesn't seem like it no it seems like he's very new to this he introduces the announcers i know and they don't want to be introduced they're They're pissed off they were obviously meant to get like you're into like a raw or smackdown or whatever and it's like here's michael cold before the cameras go on the cameras well that was obviously meant to happen he goes please at this time welcome the voice of the world wrestling all sorts jb and literally when he says that, it goes... Oh, for fuck's Feedback. Sake. And then he goes... And his broadcast colleague, Disco Inferno, who gets some booze. And then he just quietly goes, we're here already. What's he doing? I know. <laughs> we cut back to the announcers and JB is looking right in the camera going... Mm, 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 oh, as if to say, my sake. mic is broken. And then we go in the greatest marvelously strange fuck-ups ever that I can't believe is throughout the show. I think there's a 20-minute window where it stops. But at this point, where JB is looking into the camera, pleading with his eyes, my microphone is broken, my headset is not working, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, the response to this is to pipe the truck audio, the production truck audio, onto the main headsets. We hear everything from the producer's all night long now, bar a brief window later on. So you've got JB looking into the camera, Disco Inferno looking sad, and a producer going, go to the match! Music, <laughs> let's go! How? How does that happen? That is the most shambolic beginning to a wrestling show ever. The fireworks, mm. mm-hmm. the inexplicable commissioner, the fucking yep. volcano, the Mark Erickson, the all sorts, the yep. audio... Oh my god! Genuinely, like no hyperbole, no exaggerating. That is the worst start to a wrestling show we've ever seen on this podcast. We cut back to JB and Disco, and JB is mouthing, "It's okay." <laughs> <laughs> it's okay but it's not okay is it though adam it's not okay (laughs) it's gonna be a long night for jb jb who's got big my mom's gotten the dish she didn't want and has sent it back and they didn't do much better the second time it's fine it'll be okay body slam on the chair is bret hart has he abdicated the role anything on this Bret Hart is apparently still kind of associated with WWE, but I believe they're saving him for European markets because they noticed that he got a bigger reception there. I mean, he absolutely would. I mean, there's a big history of Bret in Europe for yeah. sure. I think they and... made the decision that it was more worthwhile to pay for Bret's airfare in Europe than it would be to pay for him to fly out to Australia. 
So it's less like saving Brett and more saving money for Brett. Yeah. Besides, anything that Brett can do, Sid can do better anyway. So, you know, it's it makes sense. It is essentially the exact same character and promo, which is like, I used to be a wrestler. Now I'm not. But I'm here in the WWA and I'm not too happy about it. <laughs> and I'm so happy to be here in Melbourne, Australia. Because I remember when the World Towers got bombed in September. You know, JB, 9-11 and the World Towers affected me deeply. As the master and the ruler of the world, I cannot abide international terrorism. <laughs> and if you get Osama bin Laden, you can have him any way you want. Because I'll see him in his nightmares. <laughs> I like where he's like, I'd like to thank God above and Andrew McManus. Oh my God. <laughs> For giving me the opportunity. He spat as soon as he mentioned St. Andrew's name. That's ten Hail Marys, you motherfucker. <laughs> Look, long-time listeners of the podcast know that I slept under a statue of St. Andrew McManus for many years <laughs> in my dorm. Disrespectful when this happens. I do love that Andy got mentioned in the same breath as God. Spit or not, like, that is just lovely, though. God and Jesus and Mr. McManus. Yeah, it's a... Uh... A lot of the verbiage here tonight, we're definitely missing some wrestling heads. The fact that there's no Russo, no Terry Taylor, no Zabisco, no Jared even. You get hokey stuff like this, like, I'm here to stop Scott Steiner because I know what he's doing. He's breaking the rules. And Scott, you gotta follow the rules, man. <laughs> Fucking hell. Psycho Sid. Yeah, Psycho the rules Sid. Yeah. Like. I'm psychotic about the enforcement of rules. Oh, oh, here's something I forgot to mention. You know how, like, in the past, we've got around legal issues by saying, hey, it's Road Dog, but that's dog with one G, folks. Sid Vicious, on the advertisements for this show, his name was spelt Sid Viscous, like Vicious crossed with Viscous together. Like. Well, he's kind of thick and gloopy. Like, uh. so, yeah. Maybe that's why he did the spit here, which is like, you know, as advertised. <laughs> Uh, we have the gloop is under contract as well, so it was allowed to appear for, for WWA. I'll tell you, you may have forgotten to mention that. Something that he nearly forgot to mention was the front row Nathan Jones name. Because he's like, the main event will be Scott Steiner versus Nathan Jones. Uh, no, he said Nathan. He didn't even get the surname out. Fucking hell. JB here, clearly awake. It was Sid Vicious. Who claimed he took Sid Vicious out? Oh, for Good. fuck's sake. We're so early into the night, JV. And, you know, it's bad when he's there and, like... I, f I keep forgetting to mention, folks, but you have to understand all this is taking place with the uh, with the backdrop of the production audio being there. Yeah, the truck I audio. How close you were following this, I had this on. I had to apologise to Joe, who was editing upstairs. I'm like, I'm going to be fucking cranking this up and turn on them lights, mm. you know? Get ready for something that you've never known. For because God's sake. We, we've got Sid Vicious. You know, he limps his way to the ring. Takes forever. He tries to do a few fist bumps. He's got these nearly crying folks. Yeah. You know, it's the most emotional I've ever seen Sid. Right in the ring, you hear the production truck. You tell him he's got four minutes. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> me, <Sorry>. man. <laughs> you tell him we didn't pay him for any of that tear fist bump bullshit. You tell him to deliver the verbiage. Someone wants to get home early tonight. <laughs> 
Yeah, clearly, as evidenced by the fact that when Sid finishes his promo, they play, instead of his theme, the theme of the next participants to get him out. It's yep. like, if they had the big fucking cane to yank him off, they would. And he didn't even take that long, at all. I know, it was actually a really short... This was shorter than both of Brett's last two speeches. Like. Oh, Jesus Christ. I love that Ernest the Cat Miller came out to a MIDI version of I Feel Good by James Brown. This was haunted. Look, all right, here you go. I'm going to play the MIDI version of it and then listen to this. 57113. Get access to polyphonic ringtones now. 57113. Okay, how about this? Unlock the hidden capital in your home now with a second mortgage. There may be <laughs> equity hidden in your home. Stop Have it. you been injured in a workplace accident and it wasn't your fault? Call James Brown Lawyers now. And then Brian Christopher, who last month came out to his official Too Cool music. Did you catch his theme this time? Yeah, and you know it's bad that like if Daria and WWE and WWA are allowed to use it one month, this royalty-free stock music or whatever... But he just has a metronome this time. It's literally... I'm not exaggerating. There are no instruments. It makes Viscera's entrance music feel like a fucking orchestral score by comparison. (laughs) Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. And the reality is that in Canada, the Ulays are gods. And to say they are like... Hogan is, in some respects, a bit of an understatement because I don't think people feel the or little neck of the world special guy feeling yeah. about Hogan that they do about the Ulays. And the fact that they're talking here, it's like, you all your stinky brothers, they tried to hook the poison up to the Funkster's brains. It's like, are they like the Renaults from fucking Twin Peaks or something? <laughs> it's just when you think you got rid of Jacques Ulay, my brother's going to come in and he's going to fuck their roadhouse up. It's really fucking bad, dudes. <laughs> Say nothing to the fact that Pierre Ulay... PCO, who at 50 years young won the fucking Ring of Honor World Championship and is doing topes at 52. This man is a beast and is terrifying and invented the Swanton Bomb. Wait, didn't one of them have an eye patch as well? This is the Merry Man, PCO. He was also Pierre. One eyed Jacks, mate. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just saying. And of course, when Vince McMahon made Stephanie, he didn't realize Stephanie was working in One Eye Jacks. Like, you know, it was a. Uh, and then when Ken Shamrock ran in there, and he's like, Where is she? Ah! <laughs> Him and the rest of the corporate bookhouse boys. <laughs> no, that would be the co- they'd be the corporate handbook boys instead. That's what they would be, the corporation. <laughs> well, Steiner and Deja right here now for one of mm. Scott's big promos. You know, I've had a lot of sex here in Australia. And all the women's had orgasms, so they did. I, 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 at this point, I realized that the concept of faking orgasms is there for people like Scott Steiner. Not for the people who won't think they'll be able to provide them, but for the man who will earnestly cut a 10-minute promo about how he definitely did. Can you imagine <laughs> aftercare from Scott Steiner if you didn't reach, and I quote, the big O in the sky and go to Nirvana. <laughs> and Sorry, Scott, actually, do you mind just... Watching for me. Well, okay, but my hand's gonna get pretty tired, I guess. I do. I'm I, all right, fan. Did you see the big O now? I've tried. I, I don't want to do it anymore. The big O in the sky. The big O in the sky. Come on now. <laughs> my uh, my favorite line here, and again, one of the big moments of the night that made me pop and actually laugh, is merely the way that Scott Steiner says, 
Perth. Perth. <laughs> it's very penetrative enunciation, it is. isn't it? Yeah. Very plosive. Did you hear when the watch chant started and he literally just like looked at the crowd as in like I am not engaging in this. Like no. Yeah. Like you, don't you fucking start. Like the, I'll stop the promo. Like you'll you just won't hear me then. <laughs> That's all it'll be. He says that cricket, Australian rules football, and rugby are, and I quote, sissifieds. Which, uh, all right, that's that's okay. That's uh, I mean, I will say, having went to a school that participated in more than its fair share of rugby, and having known more than the average number of fifteen-year-olds with concussions and broken backs and broken necks and arms, all of those, uh, and and actually compound fractures of the tibia and fibia i know that as well and all of that happened before the age of 17 so i would say the claim that rugby is sissified even at a child's level is probably not warranted scott is it now is it really but australian rules football that is for wimps we can all agree on that and again i would say australian rules football which has some of its roots in gaelic football here in ireland again that's a fucking hard ass game it's not it ain't sissy at all all i'm saying scott just because your brother rick steiner puts on a headgear to open a fucking shonies doesn't mean that everything else is sissified okay you big girls bras is it australian rules football where to decide you know who gets the kickoff they have to kick each other in the head as hard as they can like uh, I, is it that one i think that may be new zealand you're thinking of uh sorry my bad Body slam on the chair. Coming up next, Jerry Lynn versus AJ Styles for the assumedly vacant International Cruiserweight Championship for the WWA. Jerry Lynn is announced by Mark Erickson as being from Minnipis, Minnesota. <laughs> Which is funny because I actually had a little break there because I had to go up and take a Minnipis myself. Oh, uh, Devin Storm here. Uh, Adam, it's been pointed out that you have got serious memory relapses about Devon Storm, a.k.a. Crowbar. Literally, I swear to God, my first note here for this match is make Kevin tell you about Devon Storm bumping out of his pants. So if you could remind me of that one more time, please. Pat. Yeah, I, I just love it as well. Like, he's uh, We got this a couple of tweets where someone's like sent uh, a picture of Mr. Burns and Smithers where he's like, who is this man? <laughs> Adam, <laughs> that's Devin Storm, one of your canvas softeners from Sector WWC. Or, canvas softener. or we could also say, uh, that's Devin Storm, Mr. Bibolo, one of your pant bumpers from Sector WWC. <laughs> <laughs> but look, they've worked on him over and over. It's time for the comeback for front row, Adam. Here we go. Here we go. Time to do it. Time to make Australia proud. Up top row. No. Have you ever seen a? Have you ever seen a big man fly? No. I believe I can fly. Uh, I can do a top rope clothesline. Oh no, I fucking oh. can't do it. I whiffed it and it looks like shit. <laughs> it was a, a bad night, Adam. You you remember when Brett saw the sharpshooter happening in the ring and he was like, no, not this way. And he tried to break it up. I genuinely thought when we saw the big man, Nathan Jones, go to the top rope that Sid was going to be like, no, kid, think of your legs. Don't do it. Not like this. It only works against The Undertaker if you haven't shit your pants. <laughs> hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. Sid congratulates Scott Steiner on winning this fucking miserable finish. The volcano goes off oh, for fuck's while sake. Scott is there. Scott leaves. Then Sid starts cutting a promo as Disco calls Sid Vicious a failure. <laughs> 
fuck me. So like, you have to go, congratulations, you did it. And you know that if I'm ever able to walk again, mm-hmm. and I can crawl by God's will, I'll be in there with you, Scott Steiner. And then Steiner's like, fuck you. He walks off. Yep. Then he's back. Yep. Sid's back as well. Sid's called a failure. One more time. Sid goes over to JB and he shakes JB's hand really <laughs> sadly. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, I, have you ever seen a time, Adam, where a wrestling company has been like, get ready for this match, folks. And you're like, you're not within an arse's war no. going to begin. Like, you've got fucking Sid there. Who's like... The little he's done, he's sweating bullets, he's shaking, his hand on his yep. cane is wobbling. And he's like, I'll be in there against you, Scott Stein. I'm like, even if he could, do you want him? No, it's not, that is never going to happen. That is literally impossible. And I'm not saying, oh, because you'll stink the joint out. I'm saying it's dangerous. It Scott Steiner and Sid is bad for business on every level. Well, I mean, at least they'll have Steiner signed to a nice fat contract now. So they've got a couple of years for Sid to get better and still have the option there. Scott comes back again for a Here third time. By the way, folks, all this time Steiner's music has been playing, yep. which isn't like a special version. It's five minutes of siren yep. sound effect Non-stop. this whole time. And then I realized they've forgotten to do something. Like there's some promo that they were meant to do or a line they were meant to hit. So they're out to do the same bit again. again? And much like last time, as has become um, emblematic here of the uh. WWE, as has become custom here, JB is there going, Good night, folks. We'll see you next week. And, like, as he's literally saying, Good night, folks. We'll see you next time. You've got Sid going, Let me tell you something. <laughs> like, they're doing the quiet voice, like, start to the big promo. Like, and the gods will, if I'm there. And he's like, You'll never. I took your leg. I took your back. Fuck if you would me. think, Looking back two years ago to WCW, Good night, folks. <laughs> Turning the lights on and off, like oh my god, starrets are there, like dancing the park. Yeah. Like, Come on, we'll just leave. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Attitude Podcast, bonus WWE Retribution Special Edition. And all the whores who listen, cashing their paychecks on Patreon as the establishment crushes us under their fists and their boots. We will rise up for the dystopia of the Performance Center recruits. Hello, once again, I'm Slapjaw Kevin Man. Joined as I am always in this look back at the WWA by Adam T. Bar Bibolo. T. Bibolo. It's time for some retribution to be taken on the World Wrestling All Stars, Kevin Man. I mean, Slapjack. I mean, Slapjaw. And I feel a lot of this stuff that they've been going on with now, like whores they have been like. Like whores. Yeah, they're just suckling on the teat of Vince McMahon's empire. And I'm desperate to see it all crumble down, Kevin. Another slap in the teeth retribution, baby. Here we are. I'm sorry. (coughs) 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 All right. Sorry about that. Retribution. Retribution. It's the WWA. We're back. This is part four. Am I right in saying? Fourth time's the charm, baby. Four out of five. I can't believe it. We're here for another installment of the WWA. We have made the commitment to see it through to the end. We're not, this is not the last one, but is this the penultimate one, Adam? This is the penultimate one. If you remember, last time I titled it WWA Third Time's the Charm, this time I'm going to title it WWA This Is Getting Sad, Bro. Because, Kevin, this is getting sad, bro. Uh, what? No, it doesn't have to be, you know, a bad thing that it's for. Think of all the fourth of things that... Lethal Weapon for. Come on, <laughs> like, you know? It's... Is, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dead man's tell no chests. I think that's uh, four yeah. parts of the Caribbean. You Mad know. Max Four, actually the best one. So just goes to show. Is, you never that know. That is true. So so retribution here today has the potential to be our Mad Max Fury Road of the exactly. series. Exactly. Which is why we have replaced Andrew McManus with Tom Hardy. It just feels like. Uh, Sorry, yeah. how have I never thought of this before? But like Andrew McManus, like sort of white-haired old Australian villain, <laughs> he literally could be a Morton Joe from Fury Road, like the big scary mask on him and everything. He's fucking okay, evil. Well, who's our Mad Max then? The guy is it like is it someone else on the roster? Someone who's kind of you know? I mean, obviously Nathan Jones has played Nathan Jones. I mean, that yeah, just, well, that's way. a given. Like, you know? I don't know why, but for some reason, I'm thinking JB is like the protagonist of the <laughs> WWA. Like he's been out. Our main character so far throughout all of this and it is interesting because much like mad max when you go back and you see him in that context you're like oh this is really weird he's like almost not like i remember him it's because mad max brackets jb hasn't been around humanity long enough so he's forgotten how to talk brackets book acceptable wrestling and storylines <laughs> body slam on the chair so WWA to lick their wounds decide just to do some more shows in Australia stick with the home turf you know it's going to cost less money and hopefully we'll sell a lot more tickets they end up being part of a concert series where like they do a few shows with a few bands as part of like a whole tour oh Andy <laughs> one show they do a show at the Australian Telstra Dome which is a venue that WWE sold out recently like they sold out this entire stadium like back in oh, August Global Warning Tour that's that's oh, really yeah that's actually on the network now an O2 show that was a oh. big big fucking stadium like yeah they yes. did a good job on that well, the WWA and the concert series didn't sell out the stadium. They drew 30,000 people, which is a big number. Yeah. But most of those were papered. There was hardly any tickets bought in advance. And look, there's and... nothing sadder than 30,000 people in a 50,000-seat arena. Like, it, you might as well, like, well, you know. <laughs> apparently, the people were all there to see Nickelback, Garbage, and Billy Idol, and then they left before the wrestling started. No! They didn't split yeah. the wrestling and the music? No, no. Oh my god. You can't so open wrestling home. with Nickelback. <laughs> what do you mean? You never see Raw during those years, Kevin. You put wrestling on the marquee. Come on. Like, like mm. How is wrestling in the position of Spinal Tap in this? With bands that are literally Spinal Tap. That's not fair. I would want to see mm, Crowbar take on Norman Smiley or something whilst Nickelback play How You Remind Me in the background. Like, just combine them together. It'd be great. I mean, Nickelback, Nickelback, I like to see him do kind of a dueling guitar thing with Tantric. Like, you know, back to back. <laughs> Look at this revolution. Uh. <laughs> Every time I see you, I want retribution. <laughs> Here's something for you. So Andrew McManus, he's been stung way too many times with like no shows, contract issues and what have you. He has Steiner signed to be on the next European tour. Like so Scott he's on, Steiner. He's contracted. Yeah. Scott Steiner is contracted to come on tour with the WWA and, you know, see all the European fans. However, WWE now wants Steiner and they want to bring him in. And Andrew McManus goes out of his way and jumps through all these hoops and manages to get Scott Steiner out of his WWA contract because he thinks this will endear him to Vince McMahon and that they can then get favours from the WWE in the future. <laughs> I know. 
Dave Meltzer says here that like literally that's that previous summer, Jimmy Hart did exactly the same thing with Jerry Lawler in the XWF. Jimmy Hart thinking like, sure, you can have you can have Jerry back and we'll be best friends now, Vince. And look how that turned okay, out. Okay, okay, right. Whatever at Andrew, because Andrew's like Andrew, like, he, he doesn't even know enough about wrestling to be no. a money mark. Like, he's a he novice. know what that term means. Yeah. But Jimmy Hart doing that. that Jimmy did that. Come on, lads. What the fuck do you think you are? Luke Skywalker in Jabba's Palace. <laughs> I bring you a gift. These two steroids. Like, you, know? <laughs> you can't... What else as well? What a shit gift. Hey, Vincent, man. This will endear me to you. Do you want Scott Steiner to curse? Well, hey, here's, here's a little gift for you. Royal Rumble 2003. Ha! Well, it's it's not all one-sided because in exchange for Big Papa Pump, one of the major stars of WCW, Vince McMahon says that for the tour, Andy can have the Godfather, who doesn't come on tour because he says he has a knee injury, so Andy doesn't get anything from the trade. A couple of other highlights include his affectionate nickname for Jeremy Borash, which is Radish. Radish? And he was like, why'd you call him Radish? He's like, oh, you know, just a little guy, like, you know? So, oh. I don't know, maybe Andrew McMahon is... <laughs> How did Jeremy Borash come into existence? Well, Vince Russo was walking along one day. Bro. And he uh, picked him up out of, out of the ground, didn't he? But then the, smiley face the, the little tiny round circular face of Vince McMahon started floating around and trying to get him. Like... <laughs> <laughs> So he, he had a lot of nice things to say about JB. He had nothing good to say about Russo. Of course. Jarrett, he kind of took with a pinch of salt in that he knew that Jarrett was doing what was best for him and his business. So I don't think Andy's the sucker, or at least doesn't view himself to be the sucker. Of like Because he was like, I think I can make easy money out of it. He didn't seem to imply that he made a great deal of business out of it let's just say mm. but the best story by far and he was asked about you know any stories from the road and all that and he's like well most of them if i told them i wouldn't be able to um to, to say legally and he did mention that kurt hennig was a notable scallywag okay and like just kind of like he said it in the way that like he made my life hell but he wouldn't elaborate on it but there was a story he told about one night on early in one of the chores and he got stevie ray and grindmaster sexy who were having a few drinks with all the guys and Grandmaster comes up with a tray of like 20 shots and he's like, right, man, let's all start drinking. And they start knocking him back mm -hmm. and him and Stevie Ray, who are both former football players, start getting into a chat about who's the fastest. Okay. Now, can you imagine the level of debate taking place between Brian Christopher and Stevie Ray talking about who's the fastest? An articulate fucking debate oh it is not. God. And this comes up with them when they're on their tour outside and they're they're on the buses and they go right we'll go out into the car park and we'll have a foot race you know 200 meters who's the fastest and the way he describes the race is that it begins and stevie ray immediately gets problems with his hamstring and like falls over oh, <laughs> so he, may, he, he may not be here tonight folks and then Grandmaster Sexy, he says, he just couldn't stop running. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So Grandmaster Sexy goes into this 200-meter sprint, and he can't stop for some reason, oh. and he just run he runs straight into a bus, like Whoa. a parked bus, and he apparently caved in the entire front of the bus, I <laughs> cracked the windshield, Fuck and me. Andy's there like, you got to understand, he was so muscular and, and compact <laughs> and tight, 
that you just ran into it like a brick. <laughs> Jesus. Just, can't just picture in your mind the foot race with Steve Ray going, ah, my calf. And then he sprang. Christopher runs into and breaks a bus. They're, they're peeling him out of the front of the bus. like. And uh, thankfully, it was not their bus. So it was all oh, okay. Oh, that's okay then. Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. One thing, though. One thing. This is another one that came up. He was not very happy with Jerry the King Lawler. Oh. Let me tell you that. Apparently, Jerry said less than polite things about him in his book. And he's like, I always treated him with respect. I always thought he was very nice. Uh, I, I was always cordial to him. But he wrote some very mean things about me. Oh, get so, me that oh. book. Yeah, right. is there a bibliotech, you mm, know? Actually, maybe we'll just do the one chapter. There and back again. <laughs> a pedophile's tale. <laughs> Actually, yeah, on, on second thoughts. No, okay, <laughs> Jesus. We open up not with. I mean, we got that right at the start for like yes. two seconds. It was like, another set. Was, I don't think Tantric don't get paid that way, well, I guess, as far as I'm concerned. We had some pipers coming out to start things off, like a bit of Glasgow Scottish pipe band. I thought Roddy Piper was going to come out. Forgive me, I don't know the exact name of this one, of, of this song. It's a very familiar one. It's what Roddy used to come out to. Yeah. He used to play it on, the, on Prince's Street all the time, where I'd walk down to HMV going, Ha! Jesus. <laughs> in half blackface. Like. Yeah, exactly. I'm like Roddy Piper. I've been in Glasgow a little bit. And the only people who are gonna tell me that I'm not Scottish are you people who are making feel real uncomfortable <laughs> right now. Let me tell you. <laughs> Body slam on the chair. So, yeah, JB doing his best here with the WWA canon. Our last pay-per-view was Eruption, and it ended with a very memorable moment on a very memorable pay-per-view where Scott Steiner wrestled Nathan Jones oh, yeah. for the WWA title. And tonight, we crown the vacant WWA title. Okay, so are you going to tell us what happened there? Or is it just like a bit where he's like, unfortunately though, Scott Steiner was traded with the Godfather, who is no longer here tonight due to a knee injury, so the title is vacant. <laughs> That's a great JV. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You've got the anxiety, but also the big boy voice, like, you know. As much as I was loving Triple H and Raw at the time, right? Like, yeah. Which I was loving Big Show and Paul Heyman and his scarf. <laughs> JB brings out the commissioner, above average Mike Sanders, wearing a big old baggy trousers and a big old baggy turtleneck, looking like a baddie from Friends, showing up to <laughs> fuck shit up. <laughs> I thought that he looked like a goon from Batman, but a baddie from Friends is <laughs> so much more cutting. He's a type of guy who come at Spider-Man with a put-down, and Spider-Man's like, oh yeah, well you're a ba 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 And he'd drop his jewels in contempt. <laughs> I mean, you think about it, it's got everything you want on the tin there. You've got two guys who are cutting promos on each other, and it's really like, they're basically just two lads razzing each other in the style like the 2000s bullies would so it's like you're gay man like i'm not gay you're queer well you're not you're uh, queer you wear a dress man you know, I, it's, it's so lowbrow i will say joey legend has my favorite line my line of the night on the whole show here where he oh, comes yeah. he comes yeah it definitely is this is such a spider-man i line. love it he comes up to mike sanders and he goes you come out here looking like you cut your hair with a knife and fork 
That is an amazing diss. What a fucking line. And the retort from Mike Sanders. Hey, man, you can't get in my face. I'm not some kind of loser. Okay. Well said. Oh, my. So, yeah, they've got Killer Burns out the wazoo. Mostly mm. involved them calling each other gay, too. Yeah. Rapturous applause. Rapturous fucking applause. And then Mike literally does Austin's bit. He's like, well, uh, Max Sanders ain't got no sign language, so here's to ya. For fuck's sake. Just, Joe, you come out here, you try to impress me, son. You're ratting, what? Snitching, what? Randall, what? Moist, what? Mrs. Fincher, what? I said Mrs. Fincher, what? Gonna have a pilchard head sandwich, what? With pickle onions, what? Mayonnaise, what? Recess, what? Hey, Big Show, you remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. Coming up next, Nate Spiderweb. <sighs> Taking on another one of these podcasters. <laughs> what is this? Uh, Kuna? Kornan? <laughs> yeah, I can't even pronounce the guy's fucking name. <laughs> yeah. I, I, hang on a second, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is good podcasting. <laughs> and before the match starts, we get a horrible shot here. We cut to ringside, JB and Disco. JB talking <laughs> to the camera about, oh my God, we can see a confrontation between our commissioner and Joey Legend on tonight. But now we've got another matchup coming up, folks. And then the camera stays on JB as he slowly gets up, slowly walks around. It's, it's so... Like, I was screaming cut away, but they stay with him all the way into the ring. It's so sad. There is a moment I remember from the Disney Channel from around this time. Sorry, <laughs> forgive me. The, the Sky Digital customer in me is coming out here now. But... You remember they used to do the live audience bit with with the Disney Channel? It was kind of like, you know, CBBC or Alive and Kicking yeah. or whatever. They'd have, you know, some people in there kind of introducing the cartoons. And there was one time they had a new lad on, some blonde lad. And he was full of piss and vinegar. He's like, hey, I'm the wacky guy. Da, da, da. And he was to interview introduce a quiz segment that he was going to do. And mm. they were going to, like, answer questions about, like, Kim Possible or Pepper Ann or something like that. And he's like... All throughout this, the show, he's like, and you'll be seeing a, a new character showing up here tonight. A new character. We'll be seeing that. And I'm like, okay. You know, the Aunt Jackie Sula character. Of course, like, kind of like, yeah. You know, they put on a silly wig or whatever. And then it came time for the bit, and he literally, the camera's on him. And, like, you know, if you remember from when you're 14, it's probably not a, a very good in terms of awkwardness. <laughs> the camera's on him, and he looks desperately sad and gutted as he realizes he has to introduce the character right now. Now. Mm. As the camera's on him. And he goes, oh, well, here's the new character, and he sheepishly turns around and covers his face and puts uh. on a pair of big silly glasses and a little, like, Mr. Blobby colored tie. And he's like, Oh, I'm Quizzy Joe, the new oh, quiz master. No. I'm a bit, I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm a bit, I'm a bit wacky. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. It felt like, you know what? It's, hard, it's bad enough you're making him do this. But don't make him fucking do the Wonder Woman spin in front of us. Give him the fucking... He's not got the dignity of Linda Carter. Give him a fucking... Give him a moment. Give him a curtain, if nothing else. Like, if Disco Dickface could have stood in front of him and, like, turned around and just give him the little bit of a moment. Like, come on. So it's Puppet versus Tio with referee Medeja later on tonight. But don't worry, we've got another last four toys at the car boots oh, match boy. coming at you. Fuck Buff me. Bagwell, Johnny Swinger, the guy's so nice they did the same gimmick twice. Mm -hmm. Taking on Norman Smiley okay. and Malice. That's the wall, brother! All the way up there! Jesus, Mary and Joseph, sure it's the wall himself. How are you now? <laughs> ah, there he is now. <laughs> Can you hear me, Wall? 
Are you what are you having for your tea wall? I said what are you having for your tea? Ah, oh, you can't hear me. It's all oh, right. It's too it's, high. It's too high. Did, did you remember when we got to witness the thigh tattoos of malice before? Yes, he was in the XWF, Kevin. He was in your face, like, you know. This is promising to me because I thought like this is the penultimate episode. We're wrapping it up soon. Maybe we're not going to get to see the stars we wanted to see, but there's still time. The wall came in. There's still hope that Ian Harrison might get brought in for the final show, Kevin. You never know. Fingers crossed, man. Please. Body slam on the chair. Did you hear the music for Medasia? No, what did she come out to? Okay, right. Look, I'm not saying that you can ruin someone's character with the wrong music, but I very much am a belief. We've done a live show for How To About This, that wrestling... The theme music can create the character and they yes. can help the character be created. I think of Jake the Snake's theme. I think oh. of like, just speaking of just like random like divas, think of like someone like Don Marie or someone like yeah. that, where they had music that was very much like a, uh oh, watch out, here comes the vixen. Fucking Medasia, who dresses at the best of times like she's going to financially dominate you. <laughs> and she comes out to this music that's like, a do what, a do what. <laughs> oh boy if i could only get that kiss from adasia and split a chocolate malt and not give her all my paycheck <laughs> oh geez Medasia, i can't come round till i paint my fence and fill up a half quart of cum as a tribute to you fucking shit Oh, I, I think we can say definitively now the music in WWA has always been trash and they've never shown any desire to improve on it in the slightest. I was begging for... That's way more fitting for Medasia. Yeah, legit. legit. Oh, yes, here we go. It's time for the NWA Championship, a.k.a. the real main event. You can't convince me this isn't. As front row Nathan Jones sets his sight on the NWA's heavyweight champion of the world, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. And Adam, I am so happy that we finally, on this podcast, get Jeff Jarrett's TNA entrance music. Fucking A. And what appears to be the dirtiest slow man laugh ever in the world. Because he goes... <laughs> Let's do any of the lines... haunted house ride or something. Let's do any of the lines about Medasia. We can just now cut in that laugh in there as well. Just laughing. Hey, mate, I thought Medasia said she's not a hoe. <laughs> it's a bit of poetry here. And I've always loved this song because it's one of the songs that also had the TNA pre-themes that I've talked about before in the oh, podcast. Yeah. Where Jeff would be walking to the ring and I'd be like, Jesus. And I now present to you my world, Jeff Jarrett theme song, and here are the lyrics. The earth is not your place. The pale skin is on your face. If you step inside with me, you will see a king. He ain't dead. He is Jeff. <laughs> wait, no, that's not in there. What? Don't worry. Don't he worry. Ain't... Wait, Don't wait, 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 wait. Talk in my world. Wait, 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 wait. What was that little bit of dialogue there? He ain't dead. He is Jeff. What's that? <laughs> it's, it's the lyrics. It's the lyrics. Oh, oh, he ain't dead. He is Jeff. <laughs> 
Yes! <laughs> That's the, the world, opposite of death. The world is not your place. The pale skin is on your face. If you step inside with me, you will see a king. He ain't dead. He is Jeff. Don't want to hear your big mouth talking. My world, my world, we were, we're. He ain't I, dead. He is Jeff. He is Jeff. Adam, I've been absolutely bottling that in for a week. That <laughs> <laughs> is big, same energy as H-A-R-D-Y-O-E-S-O. H-A-R-D, hard to swallow. I mean, you say what you will about Double J, all right? He is Jeff. No, he is Jeff. He is Jeff. He's not dead. He is Jeff. Yeah, I had to put in the, the lyrics there. A double Very check nice. that. I've probably heard that a million times. And, I've you know, it's one of those things where you kind of, you sing along and you don't know the lyrics. We do now. Hello, everyone. And welcome to the Adagero Podcast. Bono Finalo WWE Special Edition. <laughs> and the end is here. Just one more poorly produced pay-per-view. <laughs> and then I will be done with you. St. Andrew. Yeah, it's me, your old pal, Limp Cowboy Kevin Mann. Joined as I am in this review of the Down Underverse of the WWE are all the controversies, broken promises, and shoddy shows put on in between by Adam Bibolo brackets covered in skull paint, like Wes, what was he, Wes, from Limp <laughs> Wes? Do you, he left. Are you seriously telling me the guy that was like with the awesome face paint, his name was he just left. Wes? You left, you coward. You turned your back on me, goddamn. <laughs> Damn it, Wes! Turn around! <laughs> Give me a chocolate starfish, goddammit! So it's the fifth and final chapter of the WWA saga today, Kevin. And I wanted to ask you if you can think of any of your favourite five movie franchises that ended on the best one. Five movie franchises? I've got some franchises here. I did have a think about it. I know you're a okay. Planet of the Apes head. Can you tell me if the last one was the best? The last one was for a long time my favourite because mm. the last one was also the worst one because the last planet of the apes as a battle scene that begins with literally like the world's war on both sides and then once it actually starts moving mm. it's like people on bikes and fucking carts and such and horses to try and fill out the numbers and i'm expecting a similar you know brave faced final battle scene here just that is a coincidence because like my favorite five movie series that has got the amazing fifth installment is twilight and in breaking dawn part two they have a big climactic battle with the two armies mm. on both sides they, they line up don't they, they? do, like they do in battles. and i'm expecting the wwa much like you were with apes i'm expecting the wwa to be like twilight where you have this huge incredible actually surprisingly fun really big battle and then it turns out the whole thing was a premise and none of it happens and everyone just goes home all right yeah well you see i've watched twilight part one and i didn't know i haven't seen part five so um spoilers mate yeah yeah in this in there that's just uh Right, that's put me in a great mood now. I'm going to do this, knowing that I'm not going to be able to enjoy the rest of the Twilight franchise. Garfield had five movies too. Uh, Did, wait, Garfield. Garfield did not have five <laughs> movies, you liar. There is a Wikipedia page Fuck for movie off. series with five entries, and Garfield is one of them. Look, all right. Someone obviously has had a case of the Mondays here because five <laughs> Garfield movies. You can't go and pick Bill Murray Garfield movies and put them in line 
with made-for-TV specials. <laughs> That's what Wikipedia did. That I'm just going off the results. Off Wikipedia, all right? Seriously. That's some Otis-level shit right there is what you're trying to pull on me. Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. Kevin, I've got here all the information that's going to take us from Retribution up to The Reckoning. But you did mention to me that you have got a little spicy Andrew McManus update, if you would care to share that first. Okay, I've got three spicy updates from three! Andrew McManus. I've got three spicy updates. Busy boy! One is political. Oh, oh, Kevin, no. leave it out, oh. mate. What are you on about, politics? No political. place in wrestling. A little bit political, that. All right. <laughs> now, the second one is to do with general gossip and controversy <laughs> okay all right i'd say that's generally kind of like a potpourri of controversy let's just say right okay and then finally we have concert promotion covid update as well okay so we've got an entry from time magazine an entry from heat magazine and an entry from the nme that i'm guessing right or an entry from Mixstead magazine australia <laughs> an entry from the daily mail australia oh. and this is true an entry for the Herald Observer that I had to sign up for a free trial and pay 99 cents Australian for later this month to gain access to. So uh, that's, I'll have to write that one off against tax, I think. So um, <laughs> what, pick your poison, Adam. What do you want to go with first? Let's go with the politics. Let's get it out of the way. Politics suck. Let's just get this over Let's and done say with. Off the, off the bat, yeah, I don't know. Politics suck. Politics suck, man. Yeah. <laughs> right, people may have heard last time that there was controversy surrounding Andrew McManus, mm. the city councilman from the Fourth Ward in Portsmouth City in uh, in Australia, and there was a lot of controversy with him. He was a new appointee, and there was a lot of button heads there. Adam, there's been a by-election. He's vacated the city council. The Fourth Ward was literally in a state of freefall. Okay. Total freefall. Andrew McManus, unrelated to this Andrew McManus, Andrew McManus stepped out because of uh, people fighting back against his attempts to legalize or decriminalize marijuana and also to ensure a mask mandate in the county. The people of Portsmouth, he said, sapped away his energy and in a highly unusual move, he vacated the seat. But I'm happy to say he voted three to one. Levette Mosley, the fourth ward is in her clutches. <laughs> Wait, what? What? Yeah, and uh, what are you talking about? Mosley will replace Andrew McManus to announce his resignation during but, the council's but, but that, but that October is a completely different Andrew McManus. Session, a move that surprised many in the council. Yeah, I know that it's unrelated to your Andrew McManus that you're all worried about. But on a previous episode, I did bring it up. All right, this is cheating. Well, I'm really glad you picked that one first. Imagine if you picked that one last. <laughs> All right, give me a little bit of that gossip now, Kevin. Right, you want the hot gossip? Mm -hmm. This is fucking brilliant. This is absolutely great. It's almost as if people in Andrew's circle listened to the last go around and like, oh, he's talking about city councilman from fucking, you know, from Portsmouth now. Get back in the news, Andy. You know, go into the Rolodex. Because there's a lot of these, like, where it's like, Andrew McManus talks about blank when they performed at blank. Like, he had lots yeah. of things to say about people who performed at various fe festivals and galas and all that i didn't want to do too many i signaled in on one that caught the eye of the, the daily mail the worst newspaper that's ever existed oh yeah yeah diana ross's diva behavior concert promoter andrew mcmanus reveals the singing icons 
unique requests when performing for the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Okay, I'm just going to guess now that this is all made up. None of this is going to be true. This is going to be like, and then she said that I was the greatest promoter she'd ever worked with, and she gave me her jacket or something like that. Right, I will say with some confidence, I believe all of these to be true. And you're probably- Okay, <laughs> okay. But that being said, some fucking hot controversy been gushed out here. Some oh, hot, boy. hot bowls of libel coming up here for Diana Ross. <sighs> Get this. <laughs> This is what Diana Ross said. And Diana Ross, known as a diva. Uh-huh. A, a diva, apparently. The divas. A diva, which, as we all know from WrestleMania 27 and 28, means that whether they're on a fashion shoot or on Total Divas, they're they're powerful and smart. And she can't throw punches. She's not allowed to do punches. Anyway, this is what Andrew recalls. I don't want you sitting in the crowd, Andrew recalled Diana having said to him. I want you standing inside of the stage in case I need you. She said that to Andy. Well, if, if Busher wouldn't melt in her mouth, Adam. Get and dig this. <laughs> Dickhead, it's freezing up here. She was quoted as having told Andrew later on. Because Andrew reveals that an air conditioning duct was behind the stage and Diana began to rub her arms. Oh! <laughs> That is spicy AF, Kevin. Wow, the Daily Mail must have been salivating when they got that scoop. I, 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 got, I got the biggest fucking scoop. Okay, okay. S- speaking of scoops, you know, here we go now. Oh, boy. Uh, dig this. <laughs> Meanwhile, the diva antics reportedly did not end there, with Andrew McManus revealing how Diana made her tour manager taste her food before it got to her. The food ended up arriving cold. Uh-oh. Uh. And hence, Diana Ross, no a diva, was reportedly seen several times at the Crown Hotel's food court. And here comes another quote. She was seen with a kip and scarf on, and the big sunglasses, and was hoeing into the sweet and sour pork straight off the ban Marie, Andrew told the Herald Sun. <laughs> Wait, so she was just stood there eating it right out of it. Adam, she was hoeing it. Hoeing it. Hoeing it. Wow. Now, I looked up hoeing it on an Australian colloquial term to literally mean... Raking, like... Like raking yeah. in, as in like you're shoveling it into the mm-hmm. mouth. Straight off the ban Marie. Wow. I mean... Did she drink the hot water afterwards? Oh, Jesus, Jesus Christ. And I think that about does it in terms well, of the... Um, quality journalism right now. Yeah, and just to say in her defense, in 2005, she said, I'm an icon, I'm a diva, a soul sister, or a queen. Labels. I've never been into the whole label thing, so... You would say that, though, Diana. You would say that, though. Well, you? she so, made um, it and you didn't, Kevin, so... Wind your neck in. Exactly. And Adam, I don't know where you're at. Um, obviously, I'm going to be removing all Diana Ross music from my <laughs> Spotify playlists and uh, etc. Because uh, that is the sickening behavior of a tyrant. <laughs> She's cancelled now, mate. That's it. We're done with Diana Ross. Kevin, give me this last slice of COVID-related information you got here. So, very strangely, on, on this COVID information, I double-checked this article. It's been posted around several places only in the last six days as of recording so this was published at the start of november okay but they're still having a go at the covid safe festival that they were hoping to do he's back at it again back at it again adam the plan is to be lobbied to the prime minister of australia (laughs) scott morrison the health and home affairs ministers and will incorporate a number of precautionary measures to ensure that the tour is safe 
Now, do you remember what the COVID safe plan was oh, to yeah. get the concert in June or July, way back when we recorded our yep. sequel to this back in like, March, I think it was? Uh-huh. It was that everyone would download the app yep. and everyone would make sure. <laughs> I believe that was it. So we want to have Under the Southern Stars. We want to have Under it- the Southern Stars. That's such a Tim Heidecker festival. What the fuck? Un- Under the Southern Stars. And here are the steps for the COVID safe roadmap. And... See if you can spot what might be a slight issue here with what they have in terms of the kind of proprietary nature of this. Okay. All three acts will travel with essential band members only. So, sorry, Bez. Yeah. <laughs> Along with two support staff, and they will be COVID tested before leaving Los Angeles for Australia. Okay. A second COVID test will be conducted after the band and support staff arrive in Australia. Okay. The band will then be quarantined at an isolated compound... <laughs> With a, rehear- with a rehearsal studio for 14 days. Okay. The acts will hire Australian crew to replace the band's usual touring team. Right. Here's the bit where it gets a little bit vague now. Segregated sections on flights and, inverted commas, military-style transfers between mm-hmm. Australian cities for the band. Military style? What's that mean? We put on some car keys and some camo jackets, like, <laughs> try and look surly. We put on some camo hats and jackets, we put on our dog tags, we run into the front of the bus as hard as we can. There's <laughs> two steps to the left. It's important. Hotel floors for the band will be locked. What? They will be locked. Lo- so they'll be trapped in there. This is part of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This is part of the nine point plan, okay? We're going to lock these doors. Imagine saying that to the Prime Minister as well. And they'll be locked as well, Prime Minister. <laughs> this is sounding more and more like a master plan or something. Like, and once we have taken the actual compound, we will lock them on their floor so they cannot be seen. Well, if that's a, if it sounds a bit like a scary, a scary concept, Adam, this might take you back to some more familiar territory. Punters must download the COVID safe app before attending the show. <laughs> Okay. Temperature checks will be completed at the gig oh, while attending. Well, those attending adhere to social distancing. Shows will be capped at 70% total. 70? Yeah, that seems a lot. I swear it? that's more than what you said last time. And so finally as well, this is the main point, Adam. If the festival works, it can become a test case. Then they say they will share the roadmap at no cost to operate all future festivals under this manner. Now... I don't know if they realise this. I didn't have to pay to get access to Mixed I was going to say. <laughs> and uh, Whoops. anyone in Australia wants to run the Attitude Era podcast live show this year. I mean, obviously we didn't get to do Manchester or London this year, but we could do Australia. All we have to do is make sure that Billy's hotel room is locked. So he, he tried this over the summer and it was shot down. Yeah. And now he's come back with a plan that is basically, we're going to do loads to protect the rock stars and the acts. And the audience, well, that's just the same plan as before, really. We'll just let them in and we'll use it as a test. We'll see how badly it goes. The main thing that's changed with this plan, as I can see Adam glancing at it, is just that the situation has become more dire. And therefore, the plan either seems more or less reasonable, depending on how desperate you are to stay safe or to go see some music. So, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think Andrew's ever going to be out of the news. I've not seen any more as regards to him you know, kind of reaching out into the world of wrestling. Mm. Although I will say, when I was searching for this show that we're about to watch, I 
did find some other wrestling outfits called WWA. I may go for an outside boys pick this year. Maybe oh, we'll see what happens with that. Th- there are multiple WWAs. When I was doing my research for this, it was like having to separate through three or four different companies in the news because there's so many different WWAs around the globe. There's one in Puerto Rico, I believe. There's one that one was in Korea. Korea. There is one that is a backyard federation that has surprisingly a lot of content on YouTube. There's the old timey WWA that Freddie Blassie was in very briefly. I think there's a Georgia think so, yeah. WWA at some point. There's a lot of WWAs. Basically what I'm proposing is at some point I will suggest Crisis on Infinite <laughs> WWAs. <laughs> All right. Oh, I am inevitable. <laughs> That's all Andrew wants to do. Is he wants to get rid of 30% of the population so that he can have his COVID safe festival under the stars. He's a lot more reasonable than Thanos. A, only 70%. B, you know, he wants to some music. That's all right, you know? <laughs> I'm actually really annoyed that Eruption isn't up higher than Revolution because Eruption had Mark Oof. Erickson and I really struggled with him. Oh, there. bless him. He's not back, I'm afraid. Well, it's funny you should mention. Oh! Hey, Adam, dig this. Hi there. My name's Mark Erickson and I want to take this opportunity to introduce myself and showcase what I do. I'm a boxing promoter and you're about to see highlights from my shows that I've been promoting over the last few years. Whether or not you're a boxing fan, I'm sure you're going to appreciate the way they've been presented for your entertainment and pleasure. So sit back and enjoy the action, and I'll see you at the next show. Yeah, there you go. We got uh, some some clips there. Mark Erickson's showreel was discovered for us uh, all across Australia. All various footage there. there Wait, you did go. you did you just splice in his fucking showreel? Goddamn right, I did. I uh, oh man. Once I can confirm whether he's living or dead, I will let you know whether or not he's available for your next boxing event. Body slam on the chair. Sting's decision making came up a lot in my research for this. And I just, there's a lot about this guy that he definitely does not fit the mold of typical wrestlers. And I don't really understand his like thinking. Like Mm. at this point in time where we are here in the WWE, there is so much talk about Sting finally going to WWE and Sting himself is saying in interviews and stuff like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, at this time, I'm actually going to go to WWE. They've got a good oh offer. Oh my God. And then you hear something like Vince saying, and then Vince said to Sting that he wanted a decision by this weekend and Sting was immediately turned off by that and he doesn't want to do it anymore now because he doesn't like a deadline for a decision. And it's just like, this is big business we're talking about. This is like the big wrestling company it's not the worst thing in the world if they're going to ask you to make a decision by the weekend, you know? He he just, he doesn't seem to work mentally like other wrestlers do. He makes decisions in a very different way, I think. And I think he made the mistake of making a very bold statement around about this time. And he was like, I turned on the TV and I, we mentioned the season three. It's the bit where The Rock goes, who the hell are you to Booker yeah. T? And he's like, I saw that. And I'm like, I can't good conscience ever work here. Mm. And he was... He was bringing that up in 2012 and 13, like when Fucking this stuff was taken. And I'm not sure it's the case that, like, here's a guy who just wanted to do the best business possible for himself. And for some reason, he was unable to actually affect that business. And he's got a nice handy-dandy moral excuse. Well, I'm being very cynical, Adam. I would maybe think that. But me in my more carefree moods, like I am feeling today, just says to me, the Stingers watched all of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and he wants to go to New Zealand. And you can just imagine him there now in various places. Who's up there on the Tower of Orthanc? Oh! <laughs> For fuck's sake. Urukai, it's showtime! <laughs> <laughs> or he's walking around in Bilbo's house. Ow! 
Oh, just tea, thank you, because he's hitting his head on the... <laughs> the Salville Baggins is made off with all my spoons! Ow! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and then he's like, I bid you all a very fond farewell, and that kind of, you know, the ripcord thing that goes... That brings him up from WCW. <gasps> <laughs> I I love Lord of the Rings, and when I get married, I'm gonna have the One Ring, and we'll go on holiday in New Zealand. So I think maybe I'm just a bit more of a New Zealand head than you are, Kevin. What is your favorite part of Lord of the Rings? <laughs> My favorite part? What's your favorite? If you could pick just one bit, and I've done all of Lord of the Rings movies for Cinema Swirl, and I even had to start a Patreon and get into a certain tier to get to do all of them because Sam hated them so much, and I had the best time all the time. And you, I think you and I have watched Lord of the Rings together oh, we a few have. times yeah, as well. Yeah, we, we did a few times, yeah. that That's where the Bilbo love came from. Like, yeah. I, I feel like there was a good fortnight or so where constantly me and you would just look at each other and then go, <laughs> and try to grab that, each other. That's one of the main things that lockdown has actually done, is that I would do that to you all the time. And I can't do it now because if I do it, it really piques the audience. <laughs> <laughs> so I might just give you the the face or whatever but you know genuinely genuinely this is gonna sound silly but i think in terms of just sheer sit back and enjoy it i do think bilbo's birthday party might be the highlight of the whole series because there's no stress there's no anxiety it's just look at all these lovely lads having a lovely time i, I did that for my 21st birthday i did the speech and i ran out of my own house and ran away <laughs> i ran away <laughs> ran away <laughs> yeah but i took the cake with me though so you know <laughs> Kevin, the cake is still in your pocket. <laughs> I think, you know, I've had a lot, of, a lot of time with Lord of the Rings, and I think just, it's got to be Aragorn in as many guises. I, 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 can't, I literally can't pick between him kicking the helmet and going, nah! What about, let the Lord of the Black Land come forth? Yeah, and, and a sneak third one. And I will die as one of them. <laughs> That's a good one. That's um, a really good That's a great one. Well, folks, tonight it's war. The battle lines have been allegedly drawn as the WWA looks to kill the National Wrestling Alliance. Fuck off. First time ever, live from New Zealand. Nice big camera setup. Of course, we've got no Mark Erickson, but Dave Penser of former WCW fame, and he's a okay. legit voice in the world of wrestling. He's there looking looking only as Dave Penser can look. He does a fine job. I honestly I don't think I made any notice of the announcing tonight, which means that it did its job, I guess. You know, he was there and he did it. You just missed the time where he went, Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, frontier psychiatrists, <laughs> coming up to open things off. It's the not hometown boy from Australia, Mark Mercedes, taking on the dog-faced gremlin. Oh, oh, oh! It's Rick Steiner. Um, you want some? Come get some. You don't like me? Bite me. Before we talk about Mark Mercedes and the research I've done with him. Adam, I was wondering if you could tell me what your favourite dog-faced gremlin from popular media is. <laughs> favourite? There's so many. And now my, my my first reaction was to say the bit in the mask where the dog gets the mask on, but that that's more like a gremlin-faced dog than a dog-faced <laughs> gremlin. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Stripe, the, the leader of the gremlins from Gremlins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Ocarina Time render of a Moblin because he kind of, he's he is quite like a dog faced, a bulldog faced gremlin. 
<laughs> Walking through the lost woods, stabbing it. I don't care. It just fucking stabbing with the thing. Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. Disco Inferno joins us on commentary, oh. although there's something a little bit different about that tonight. How do you mean? He's not referred to as Disco Inferno all night. Oh, God, you're right. I didn't even notice yeah. that. He's Glenn Gilberti. Yeah. Glenn Gilberti. G-double. G-dick. G-fuck off. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Someone, I didn't realise this until recently, Kevin. You know that clip of Conan's podcast where they mention my name and they get it wrong and they all have a big laugh? Mm-hmm. I didn't realise one of the other voices there was Disco Inferno. <laughs> 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 we didn't even notice it was him. <laughs> oh, baby. That's How good is so that? fucking funny. <laughs> oh, my God. You've been tittered at by Disco Inferno. By Disco, yeah, I know. Oh, my God, jealous. Fuck me, man. <laughs> <laughs> so the lights go out. Oh, oh, who could it be? Wow. Oh, that sounds Woo! like Sting. If I know Sting, he'll be in the rafters like he used to do in WCW. Can we get a camera up there? Can we? Well, he's got to be down here on the floor somewhere. No. Okay, let's look in the crowd some more. Can we just? Oh wait, hang on. Apparently, Borash says he's there. Look, he's. Can we get the camera to? Phil, Phil, swing. You you need to point. Get the spotlight up there. Hang on, he's trying to find his contact lens. No, that's just a contract to ignore him. There he is. That's right now. Now zoom it. The zoom. No, the, no, no, the that's the wall, the brother. The ca- be careful. Oh. It's the wall. What are you doing? <laughs> My favorite part of this was where Jeremy Borash goes, and the spotlights are searching when there's just like the hard camera on darkness. Honestly, it's just you can't see anything. I'm, I'm not trying to poo-poo on things. The spotlights were searching because when they finally panned out right at the end, you could see the spotlight searching around. Yeah. It's just that they managed to maintain a moving shot for around 15 seconds mm-hmm. going throughout the arena. And they managed to, like, dodge all of the light. It was like yep. fucking going through lasers in a hitman. Like, <laughs> how did you not pick up any of the light? That's amazing. <laughs> they finally fucking find Sting. Wouldn't you know it? He's in the rafters, the bit with the big fucking light on it. And that's right, baby. I'm here. And I'm back in black. I mean, back in black, baby. And I'm the stinger, which means I like rugby. Woo! And Jeff Jarrett, your guitar's a wallaby. What the fuck is this pandering shite? He says his baseball bat represents the New Zealand All Blacks. And Jeff Jarrett's guitar is an Australian wallaby. And as we all know, Kevin, the New Zealand All Blacks could beat the fuck out of a wallaby any day of the week. Okay, the Australian national rugby team are referred to as the Wallabies. I want to make sure, once again, we got to say it to Sting. He sits down with the Lonely Planet travel guide. He gives it a good thumb and through of the, of the introductory remarks, and he writes his promo, and he gives it to you. I mean, the crowd liked it. The crowd buy into this pandering, I guess. It's just... I've never understood Sting as a character. Really? On it, he's this fucking mysterious, oh! scary-looking guy that sits in the rafters, and you think like, "Oh, he must be very quiet and brooding." And then he's like, "Whoa, <laughs> I love rugby, man!" And it's like, "What? I don't get." The, there's a big, big disconnect. I guess it's a rush out of praying, man. You know what I'm saying? It is a huge <laughs> disconnect, and then he became the Joker. Like, I don't understand 
his the psychology behind his character. Yeah, but like Adam, like he had to become the Joker. How else is he going to take away Madison Rain's power from the Knockouts division? Duh. We'll get to it one day. Amateur hour over here. <laughs> <laughs> if he was to come to your hometown of Staffordshire, what would be the pandering promo that he would do? Would he be like? I like boilers. Right, okay, no, 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 no. You're talking about boilers because Boiler Man is the the mascot for West Bromwich Albion, which is a Birmingham-based team. So don't don't get that mixed up with Stafford. Oingers, my boingers. My apologies. Gen- <laughs> Genuinely, honest to God, I I cannot think of a single example. So little culture does Stafford have. <laughs> He, he'd have been better off coming in and saying like my bat represents pokemon and Jarrett's guitar is digimon like that that would have been more effective than any local references oh my god i mean i'm i like to think if he was you know you know here in in where i live currently in salford he'd, he'd just take a picture of morrissey and start hitting it with a baseball bat like, Yay! Hey. you know or, or he becomes the new morrissey he does his uh his face painted like a very morrissey type Fucking of a way hell. You know, the way that he became the new Joker once we decided we didn't like Heath Ledger anymore, you know? <laughs> I would say Sting would go down very well in Ireland. I think he'd go down very well in Galway as well. I mean, mm. look, if Chris Benoit can cut a promo to make an Irish crowd pop, Sting can fucking do it. We want to hear one thing. We want to hear that your your intentions to have a pint of Guinness. That's pretty much it. And I would say my hometown of Galway, where I would consider my hat to be very firmly laid in Ireland, if he came there... He just had to mention any number of things. He could just go, oysters! Woo! I'm like, yay! We've got a lot of things that we can hang our hats on at any point in time, you know? John Mahoney from Frasier coming to town and doing a little bit of fishing. Whee! <laughs> that was good. And, you know, if Sting met John Mahoney in, in Galway like I did, he wouldn't have two bottles of Buckfast in his arms looking like a fucking ne'er-do-well. <laughs> Body slam on the chair! Coming up next... Uh, oh boy another one of these wrestling matches and, um, Devin Storm taking on uh, Conan seriously alright <laughs> you can't even say the guy's fucking name right man <laughs> that'll never get old no honestly it's golden <laughs> Devin Storm who in our last go around you're, you're confident now who he is? You're happy with that? I need to give you a refresher. Oh, he's the one that bumped out oh, his truck. Oh, fuck off! No, genuinely, genuinely. Is he the guy? Yes! Yeah, honestly, he is. You're not like forget about forgetting. Jesus Christ, it's you, getting worse. You used to be Crowbar, right? How have you added a step between you and forgetting who Crowbar? Jesus! I'm not, this isn't a bit I genuinely didn't remember. <laughs> oh my god that's it it's crowbar our old friend friend of the podcast crowbar one of my personal favorites this is like it's literally proven a point why did he become a star in wrestling it's because of whatever this is <laughs> i don't even know what it is <laughs> yeah yeah uh, classic one of my faves crowbar happy to see him back spotted him straight away there i'm starting to think that daphne's career somehow got some sort of taint on it from this guy <laughs> and that's why her she never was able to make it big time like she should have <laughs> david flair as well despite the fact of having a famous father crowbar drags him into the fucking cloud universe of unknowingness <laughs> jesus and here i don't know if this has happened on the wwa before or not but tonight we're getting a grunt of the night baby hey at 31 minutes and 32 seconds Conan, as you say, he slams Devon Storm through the barrier, and then 
There's no grunt for that, by the way. Slamming a guy doesn't require a grunt. No. Going for the pin, <laughs> Conan gets the cover and goes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to talk about this pin. I'm fucking obsessed <laughs> with this pin. It is the funniest thing in the world. He comes out of that ring in the laziest. <laughs> Like it's, I've never seen something that's both at the one hand so lazy, but also slightly dangerous because he literally slides out of the ring like a snake that has yep. been stunned or something like that. He just flops onto him. He flops onto him. And there's all these like pointy bits of barricade. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, when you go out of the ring, how many times have we seen it in Rastanada where someone's literally right at the end there and he's going to go up oh, and yep. then there, there goes the leg, there goes the arm, mm-hmm. there goes the neck, you know, it happens. And he just slides on like he's been poured out of a glass. <laughs> you know, he slides on top of him like he's been poured out of a glass. And then Disco Inferno goes, you see that, JB? That's what I like to call a gravity pin. <laughs> now, I spent a long time thinking about gravity and this pin and Sir Isaac Newton and visiting his house in Grantham where I had a great time. <laughs> had a great time. Aren't all pins gravity pins? Uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. O- only if you're a fucking lazy worker will you let gravity do the work for you. A good wrestler will be using his own gravity generated by strength. I'm just thinking about William Regal Look at what he's doing. Yeah. He's using the acceleration due to gravity. 9.81. You can, you can calculate it yourself at home if you do it now. <laughs> we cut back to Chris Saban, the X Division champion, who was someone who captivated me in the early days of TNA for sure. Really? I have no idea what happened to Chris Saban in the last 10 years of his life. They lost me around the time where he became the world champion and their biggest gimmick they had for him was Bad Boyfriend. Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm heavyweight champion of the world and I've got a few things to say to you, Velvet Sky. Good grief. Fucking top guy on the card. Cool. Saban is also the future, much like Frankie Kazarian. Not confusing. All right, I'll tell you what, love both men. Both men have went on to have fabulous careers of significance. Kazarian is lighten it up in AEW and Saban has worked in Ring of Honor and still is still is a name in wrestling boys neither you're the future I hate to break it to you you're just not sadly and this promo <sighs> fuck me at one point he says Jerry Lynn you're so old you're no longer living you're dying like, and he said he delivers it in this way that it's meant to be like oh if you think about it that's actually cool but it's not give that line to Mike Sanders and he would have fucking knocked it out of the park at him fucking call the party police i got a fucking promo here yeah right mike sanders who is not here tonight i'm so disappointed because i think honestly the highlight of all of these wwa shows was him saying you come out here looking like you've cut your hair with knife and fork i think that is the absolute peak of the wwa and i wasn't even that keen on the guy well, Commissioner Sanders' reign of terror is over, Adam. <laughs> Do we know why? I don't know. He's a real stickler for tardiness, though. That's how I know. Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. We've not mentioned, I should say, for people that haven't actually seen the image, it's Andrew McManus in his black shirt that is covered in patches and emblems. We'll talk about it more on the podcast. But Carl Hutchinson here. Andrew? <laughs> Sorry. Hey, it's me. <laughs> trying to find a have you got like a like a keystone word to get into your double j voice is there a word that gets you into it 
global force gold. Uh, the one I always do is I put my hands on my hips and I go, well, I ain't going to get bigger by looking at it. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just go, do, 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 and walk around until the voice comes. Andrew, that's supposed I can't stop doing Australian. Fuck me. <laughs> we have to record a podcast after this. What? It's going to be like, <laughs> these Australian men. <laughs> Good day. Welcome to the Attitude <laughs> Podcast. Down under. What the hell's going on? Okay, that's it. Carl Hutchinson here. Andrew, that's supposed to be... I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Australian. What the hell's going on? Andrew, that's supposed to be WWA patches on a sponsor's blazer, not the other way around. You've ruined a perfectly good jacket. Uh, incorrect there, Jeff. Eight perfectly good jackets. <laughs> Got there in the end. We have, uh, you leave all that in, please. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I don't know what SCX is all about. And I've watched all them shows. I've watched the clip of AJ Styles rolled into the Sports Entertainment Extreme Locker Room with a chainsaw calling everyone a homophobic slur as well. And I still don't know. And I thought Glenn Gilberti would be like this. Sports Entertainment Extreme is about this, JB. It's a way of life. It's all about da-da-da. Except all he does is go, oh, this guy's in, in SEX too. He's good, this guy. And then he, all he does is complain about Saban. For he's like, sake. this guy's meant to be in, he's meant to be in sex and he's losing. Stop getting pinned. <laughs> kick out one. Come on, Saban, kick out. And he, he go, ah, come on. When Saban gets hit, ah, yeah. Jesus. All right there, fucking Dustin Hoffman sounding motherfucker. It's great. You know what's really great? We're like, oh, I can't bring up anyone where people sound like people. It's great. Just find someone who's a piece of shit and then compare it to another piece of shit. So if there's any wrestlers who are like Kevin Spacey, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Body slam on the chair. Speaking of not so fun and taking the tone oh, down. Oh, no. It's the French fries. Cut the fucking music. Here comes the fucking French fry, Shane Douglas. And this is the best Shane Douglas in the world. You know something, you little fucking marks? I was on my way to the PGA tournament and I got <laughs> lost. He's dressed so much like a golfer. He's got the nice blue polo. He's got the nice tan slacks that he's got his shirt tucked into him. Adam Wayne, he's, he's vomiting in the ring. <laughs> this is the same era of Shane Douglas. Right. Shane Douglas, he's got something to say. He really does. He's got all sorts of shit to talk, except he can't swear. So instead we get, cut the bloody damn music. Bloody damn. Oh, all right. Potty oh, mouth. Sure, man. Potty mouth. Here he is. You know, his tan slacks and his polo shirt. ECW. I know. I know. He's an ECW legend. I still, that never connects for me that he is ECW born and bred. If you're getting ECW chance, why the fuck are you dressed up like a pole watcher? Like, what the fuck is wrong <laughs> with you? So he calls New Zealand a little piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot of stuff to say here. He's yeah. French fries, smart man. He's done some Googling here. Fair fucks to him. There's an athlete from New Zealand, uh, Russell, who um, moved to Switzerland. Mm. So um, Dan might be reminded about that, let me tell you. He's, he says too much. He shits on Vince for making WWF into a cartoon. He shits on ECW. A fucking, car a fucking cartoon. You're a fucking cartoon. What are oh. you then? <laughs> Are you? If Vince is a cartoon, you just live action Ren and Stimpy, may I? To break it to you. 
You idiot! You bucked the nature boy, Ric Flair! <laughs> you tried to kill me, man! <laughs> oh, also, he says he sized 12 and a half shoes. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think we need to get into the individual foot sizes of everyone on this podcast, but let's just oh, say... Oh, I will. <laughs> all right, then. I'm fucking size 12, and there's no way your feet are bigger than my Shane Douglas. No fucking way. No way. I will die on this hill. No fucking way. No way. No way. Nuh-uh. Just while we're on the subject, I am a size 14. I have a hell of a hard time finding shoes. If you've got any size 14 shoes you would like to send, <laughs> please do get in touch at Biblops on Twitter. Yeah, why don't you reach out to Shane Douglas? Because what's funny, Adam, <laughs> is that in the in the UK and the US, size 12 is usually the easiest last size that is commercially yes, available. It is. And if you are into size 13 and 14, then you have to go to specialist stores. Mm. And it's very interesting because my good friend back home in Ireland, he was size 13. I used to work in a shoe shop. Yes. And it was an awful pain for him because he would oftentimes just go with size 12 shoes and go look just what is there or like are there any size 12s coming in that kind of go a little bit big and it just seems to me you know the plight of what it's like to have someone with larger oh, yeah. you know has, finding shoes a bit harder even i find it a little bit harder even though it's you know much easier for me than it is for you my friend at home find it very very hard as well and we can all say unilaterally as men with larger feet you wouldn't make it up because it's not an easy life to live. It's not. I I had a doctor laugh at my feet once when he saw them, and he went, what? "He went, oh my god, they're like skips." And at the time, I was like, "Skips." At the time, at the time, I was like maybe twelve. I thought he was referring to the crisps, skips, which are like round <laughs> parachutes. Yeah. And I was like, "No, they're not." He meant dumpsters, basically. Wow. I went into a shoe shop once, and I asked if they did Converse in a size fourteen. And the guy behind the counter and his mate laughed at me, and I just turned around and left. And so all my life, I've had like a bit of a sensitivity about this. And I was like, I'm, I'm never going to find someone with big feet funny. That's not a funny thing. I, I, I know what it's like. And then once I went to TK Maxx and I found they had a size, a pair of size 18 shoes. And I was literally like, yeah, <laughs> look at these things. <laughs> Imagine having feet that big, though. I mean, I, I, I just don't think Shane Douglas has got size 12 and a half. <laughs> I, I just, forgot I that's don't know. why this came up. I don't know why I'm so confident in this fact. Like, mm. I really don't. Like, I worked in a shoe shop. That's all I can say. I worked in a shoe shop for a couple of years. I just don't buy it, Shane. I don't buy it. I'm empathetic to people's feet sizes, and I just don't buy it. Is it just me, or does this episode of the podcast have big last day of school energy? <laughs> like... Oh, yeah, I've already written E Pussy on the wall behind me, as you can see. <laughs> We're fucking out of here after this one, folks. We're done with this show. See ya, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> who can cut through to the French fries? You know, who can, who, who can get in there? into the mindset of french fries train juggless it's joey legend just joey legend himself who i wrote here is a franchise bannerman is what he is the what chance these lads get and they're like they're looking at each other to say don't worry this be they won't be doing this next week (laughs) sure they'll get tired it's fine 18 years later Mm. (laughs) joey legend i was really impressed on the mic last go around you know, I thought he, him and Mike Sanders, that was probably the best exchange. Mm, yeah, I, it, for me, it was just the knife and fork line. That was all I cared about. Oh, you're, you're, you're here for the killer line style like this. They're going to be calling him Jabu instead of Sabu. Now, was that the member of the Street Sharks that had like a jab action <laughs> when you press the button? I think you're thinking of Big Slamu there. Ah, uh, that's it. Happening. Or Moby Lick, it could be. <laughs> he was throwing E-Pussy wherever he went, but... <laughs> 
you ever see that man's muscular tongue? Fucking hell. <laughs> look at the tongue, look at the tongue, look at the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> it's nearly the summer holidays, folks. <laughs> and it's actually just got really sunny as well here. As soon as we sit down. I'm all excited now. Incredibly unenthusiastic use the table chant. <laughs> the reason why is because they've been chanting since the word go and mm. they've not done it and they've just been polite to New Zealanders and keep going, you know. Please. Use the, please use the table. Come on. Please use the table, Sabu. Please use it. Don't know if Shane Douglas liked this line on commentary. I'm starting to see Joe Legend is kind of like Shane Douglas now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, triple jump, leg drop to the outside through the table by Sabu. Yep. Be- beautiful call here. I didn't see what happened. What happened? <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank God we've got you on commentary. And then Shane Douglas. Sabu, pray unto the gods that he prays to. I've seen it before. Oof. <laughs> Lads. Would you lay off? He didn't kill ECW. He didn't do 9-11. All right? He didn't steal any fucking child's adrenal glands and eat them either it's just <laughs> it's it look to if you're really wondering what what this guy's all about i'll quote you paul Heyman. look it's sabu it's it's just it's fucking sabu that's it yeah that's you don't need to add this fucking layer of hate onto it if sabu was to pray to gods he'd probably be there smoking a cigar insisted the god doesn't reveal what he's about to say and then not pray to the god <laughs> that would be it and the whole time he's praying he'd have his hand on his spike as well just in case <laughs> the god tried to renege on the prayer or anything like that. Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the Big Shot. What's next, Adam? After five pay-per-views, it's finally happening. Here he is. St. Andrew McManus is going to do an in-ring promo. You know, every now and again, great moments happen in sport. Tonight is one of those moments. I like very much now to introduce to you a man who's the true testament to what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That gentleman is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Brett, the Hitman High. There was just something surreal about seeing him come out to the ring. Yeah. I don't know why, but when he came out, Walsy Matilda played in my head because he's the most strongly associated thing with Australia I have at the moment. In Civ Six in the new expansion, could I have um, Andrew McManus instead of John Curtin, please? Your nuclear chests are enraging us and worrying us. Here's a large bag of money to go away. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think first and foremost, Kevin, we need to really, really paint a picture for the listeners here of just what this man looks like. Well, I mean, look, St. Andrew never gets respect, and mm-hmm. I feel he's going to be quite disrespected here. He is wearing... I saw someone describe it as Bully Ray's ring attire from 2014. <laughs> Harsh. Harsh he's, on Bully Ray. He's got, like... He's got his jeans on, right? Mm-hmm. He's got his black jeans on, black shoes. It's very much the former darts champion turned amiable pub landlord who will do you a toasty under the grill. <laughs> you know, it feels like, you know, he could care what's on tap. You know, that's Short what kind sleeve, of feel like. black shirt... But it's covered. It's covered in patches Jeez. and emblems from, and not in a cool like Formula One race car driver. I'm covered in logos. It's just like sporadic, sloppy, weird little placement of logos all over this random shirt. It's safe to say, Adam, that he's a patch man. 
Very safe to say indeed. Now, did you look at what any of the patches actually said? Did you catch, catch a glimpse of any of I these? couldn't tell. I honestly couldn't tell. So, very strangely, <laughs> there's three here which I worked out, all of which say some variation of versus... So it's doing them, doing Mar doing Mario Kart there. Versus. <laughs> you mean like VS? Versus. There's VS and the word versus and another VS as well. Okay. Now, Andrew coming out here. Obviously, he's appeared on camera before. We're talking in ring here. We're talking we're talking down here in New Zealand, right across the pond from his home country. Big, big time for Andrew McManus because he doesn't come out here for any old reason. He's out here. I, I mean, honestly, at first I thought he was going to do a promo. I thought this was going to be like an authority figure, like do a speech. Mark Sanders, your your time is up. And that's what. Was he Mike Sanders versus Psycho Sid? Maybe maybe Mike Sanders is going to wrestle Bret Hart tonight. Who's wrestling here tonight? You mm. know, maybe that will happen. Well, speaking of, he says uh, Andrew is out here because he wants to introduce someone to you all. He also trips when he's coming into the ring oh yeah there's a little trip as he gets in on the ropes i will say though the saving grace for andrew is that his little trip is just similar enough to steve austin's 2001 uh -uh, didn't trip which yep. the now that i think about it tell me what you think adam and fans at home as well i'm dying to know i think in 2001 austin genuinely tripped once covered into the ring did that and then the rest is history <laughs> smackdown three immortalized it and he decided, better keep doing it. That's part of the act now. It's part of the act. It's canon. <laughs> <laughs> Backstage at the AVN Awards, Double J is interviewed by Scott Demore. Two greasy looking individuals with various shades of interest in what's going to happen in the main stage later on tonight. Jeff has got that fucking greasy, sexy red latex vest on as well. And Scott Demore is like, Jeff, who do you think is the hottest young starlet in the... <laughs> Scott Demore does the old kind of Caleb Braxton, you know, type of one where it's like, Jeff Jarrett, tonight you face the icon Sting in a match that is unifying the WWA and NWA Heavyweight Championships. Knowing what we know about what you've been through in the last few weeks and knowing what happened with you and Sting last go around, you've got to have a lot on your mind and it's got to be playing on your self-esteem here tonight. Well, you just did my whole promo for me. <laughs> God damn it, Scott. You're meant to be my buddy. Come on. Why, why did I install you as a puppet writer then? You're just going <laughs> to do all my promos for me. He's J-E-T-T-L-A-G-E-T-T-E-T-T-E-T-T-E. Oh, ain't he tired? He ain't dead, though. He is Jeff. <laughs> oh, we found out a whole lot about that. Oh, we got an update. Yeah, and I kind of feel like because of the intrigue, we should do the pre-theme of the... So you know that's kind of getting a little bit like, what's going on here? He ain't dead. He is Jeff. But what it turns out, Adam, is that the original version of this song has got the line, he ain't dead, he ain't the rock. He ain't the rock. Don't want to hear your big man talking my world, my world, Jeff Jarrett. They put the rock in the lyrics. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. From Glagay all the way to Global Force Gold. 
Also, he ain't the rock. That doesn't read how they want it to read. Like, I know they're saying, like, this guy ain't the rock, but it sounds more like he's no rock. Now, let's let's be honest with ourselves. This guy ain't no Dwayne Johnson. If you smile, look at the tongue. He ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I've got I got a new lyrics for you. He ain't dead. He ain't the rock. No fucking shit. It's my world. <laughs> <laughs> Lyrical gold. Now. He's 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 not the rock. And I would say he's the type of person that if you compare him to the rock, that would work against him. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. He's no rock. He's no Dwayne Johnson. This guy. No. It's only Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, we're thinking instead of kind of drawing attention to the lack of similarities to the rock, we instead kind of. Well, you need a new lyric, so we're thinking, <laughs> we're thinking we say, okay, we listen here, he is Jeff. Okay, I'll tell you what, guys, you can just put in he is Jeff, but that's just a placeholder, man. You come up with something better in between now and then, because I'm going to use this theme for 16 years, okay? Okay. The the Beyond the Mat Doctor saying, you need a new blank, has become my favorite <laughs> recurring character on the podcast. <laughs> Body slam on the chair. Fun to watch a bit more kind of your classic Sting who's in great shape. Mm. He's obviously been hitting the squats because I'll tell you what, I didn't know I'd seen such a thick scorpion since I played Fallout 4. This lad's got a massive big arse on him now. Big strong arse. Fucking hell. He's seriously dragging a wagon right there. He's like, yeah, Fucking thick and juicy is Sting. Muscle duck. Seriously. This <laughs> 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 a bit where Sting. And I kind of feel like I can see why that kid wanted to wrestle Sting and that, that Sprite ad. He's good and safe because it's a bit where he's like the far end of the ring, you know, like in the the, the barricade area. Mm. And all the way at the end, it's Disco Inferno and JB. And he like points. He's like, woo, it's showtime. And he runs really fast, full head of steam. And Jeff's like, uh. <laughs> and then right before they, I, I swear to God, right before they get to the table, Sting just stops and gently rolls him onto the table. Fuck's uh, sake. Like, he, there was no momentum. Like, he's not messing up anything there. Aww. And Disco Inferno's like, what are you doing? This is my workspace. I'm like, oh, this is good. A bit of banter here now. What are you doing? This is my work. He said it seven times. For fuck's sake, dude. Ugh. Imagine you see him. You don't see him. Punk went. Come on, John. You spill my diet soda. John, my diet soda. You spilled it. John, you see my diet. My diet soda, which was previously in the can, and now henceforth it finds itself just spilled on the ground. It's carbonation mocking me before me. Do four more. Hey, if you listen to our best of season two compilation, you will hear pretty much that actually between clips. Oh yeah, you're right. There's a lot of that. Joey Legend is out. Yep. Closely followed by Rick Steiner. He does. Why did Joey Legend come out? To stop Sting from winning. Why did Rick Steiner come out then? To stop Joey Legend from stopping Sting from winning. But what does Rick Steiner then do? <laughs> Sting gets the Scorpion Deathlock back in again. And then Rick Steiner betrays him with a guitar. Another guitar, by the way. A secondary guitar over the head. Yeah. Fuck this WCW bollocks i can't believe that's how we're ending it would you stop d besmirching big ted down in atlanta please because honestly i think that is really doing a disservice the guitar swing here it disintegrates mid-swing he's thrown it so hard it's literally like someone has deleted it from existence and before he gets to the gym. so just so we know rick steiner came out to stop someone stopping someone from winning so he could stop that person from winning instead himself yes okay 
Jeff Jarrett wins and kills the WWA. I told you not to piss me off. (laughs) (laughs) And in the most fitting end to this story, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, here is your winner and the WWA and NWA heavyweight champion, Jarrett. Hey, Big Show. You remember me, don't you? I'm the big shot. I am going to award a match of the night for the WWE. And that would be that four-way between Johnny Swinger, Chris Saban, Frankie Kazarian, and Jerry Lynn. Honestly, it's like looking into the future in the past. Now, obviously, you can look into the future from the past just by looking around in the present now. (laughs) And I, 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 I take that. But as we are in New Zealand, if you wish to look into the mirror, what will you see? You may see many things, depending on if they upload it onto a better streaming service, because otherwise it might just be low res. You know, that All will too. watch WWA in despair. <laughs> That's pretty much the goal here that we had at the start of it. We've come to the end, Adam, and it's always a beautiful, great, fluffy feeling in the air when we manage to... Put a nail in the coffin of a side series. Oh, I think it's quite bittersweet, to be honest with you, because I've had so much fun doing this that I am gutted that this is it now for the WWE. It was a complicated disaster. And I think what the main thing we can take away when looking at the end of the WWE is that a money mark is only as good as the people he gives that money to. Well, we should say, just to talk about the end of the WWE, because this is the end of the pay-per-view for sure, but this is pretty much the end of the whole company and its existence. Like, Are there any other shows? No, because usually when they do like the last day of the tour, it's like, oh, and we'll be back, blank, blank, blank. Or, you know, we'll tell the boys our next tour is going to be in this. Yeah, After make they arrangements. Did, after this tour, they didn't mention it to anyone. They didn't advertise anything to the fans. No teasing of something new. They didn't tell the boys that they were going to do anything else. It was just like, all right, thanks for coming, guys. And, like, that was it. No promise of we'll get in touch. That was just silence. Yeah. In September, in the Observer, Meltzer would note that there still isn't any plans and that everyone that is mildly associated with WWA is pretty sure that's going to be it. And then there is just a big void of news where there is nothing all the way until June 2017 when St. Andrew would sell the WWA to Wade Brewer. And that is officially it. Yeah, Wade Brewer still not made any... Any moves with the WWA intellectual property? We'll see where it, where it goes. If the WWA ever comes back. Biding his time. Biding his time, waiting. Maybe wanted to see if he get his hands on that roadmap. Hey, I know a guy who <laughs> might be able to help you out with that. <laughs> the best things I can say about WWA is that it did remind me of the scrappy magic of early TNA, where mm. you're getting characters and styles of wrestling that you definitely weren't going to be seeing in the WWE. And if you were seeing them, you're seeing less and less and less and less and less and less and less. Honestly, one of the big things that turned me on to TNA back in the day was literally when WWE did a match in 2002 or three, and they're like, that's it, no more hardcore belts. I'm like, what? That seems a bit shit. That's why I watched you the show, because Mm. Raven and Rhino were trading the NWA Heavyweight Championship. And, you know, you had... You had hardcore you had the style that i wasn't seeing and it was Mm -hmm. a nice reminder that there was an alternative out there much as there is an alternative out there now to to wwe i don't know what great comparisons we can take from looking at how come AEW was such an effective startup and why WWE was such an ineffective startup they both had money they both had people who had a vision for wrestling they both Mm -hmm. had connections in the live events industry and had a, a backing of some sorts. Obviously, one person's a billionaire and Mandrew McManus was a millionaire. But I don't know. Was the WWA always doomed? I 
I don't know about saying it was always doomed. I don't know how fair that is, but I do think that it was overshooting from the very, very start. If you remember when we talked about the Inception, their first pay-per-view, I actually thought it was a really, really solid plan that they had because WCW is gone, ECW is gone, and there's going to be all these markets that aren't being tapped year-round by WWE, places like Europe, places like Australia, where there are rabid fans, and they want to see some of the stars that aren't on TV anymore. They want to see that. And I thought if they'd have stuck to that touring company idea of just being like, we're going to do live shows, they would have made a killing. Instead, they managed to inexplicably cool down the emerging markets. How did yeah. you do that? I think them shooting for TV and getting all caught up in spending money on TV and pay-per-view and all that bullshit just took away from what could have been a very enjoyable live show experience if they had just pulled all their resources into that. I know I mentioned Five Star Wrestling earlier, and I kind mm. of do feel like I have a, a real, real pronounced interest now for companies that try to shoot big real big and they missed the mark yep. because I don't want to tell you know I'm not going to begrudge anyone who tries and sets up like a small indie show and they you know manage to fill out a big arena and then it gets a bit bigger and a bit bigger you know and I don't want to spend time talking about like the downfall of any English indie because I'll just be talking about sex offenders all the time no. you know I am much more interested in finding out how someone can have a lot of money a lot of talent a lot of know-how and it still fall by the wayside the main thing that strikes me about this and why you always need to have it I said that both AEW and WWE had people with visions. Mm. Whereas I think that the vision that the wrestlers had in AEW is a lot more shared and probably a lot more defined amongst the four core individuals. Mm. I think that if you asked Kenny Omega and you know Matt Jackson what they think the most important things in wrestling are, they'll give you broad strokes, some similar, similar ideas. Yeah. But if you were to come and give me like Sting and Vince Russo what they think wrestling mm. should be, or I don't even think Andrew McManus knows what wrestling should be. No. J- JB, I feel like he can fit it to be what Triple H's vision is or Dixie yeah. Carter. You know, there's just a, not enough conviction of beliefs here. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, money goes all different ways. People don't show up. And yes, it is the victim of the things that will always make money marks victims in wrestling. But WWE, much like the XWF, was a victim of wrestlers' bullshit as well. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and because of that, it's like spend a quick moment and pay tribute to the WWO, which <laughs> is sadly no longer with us. Leave the memories alone, Adam. <laughs> What did you think of the final episode of the WWA? Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. If you're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, do not forget, leave us a rating or review. Particularly iTunes, we could do with some reviews. As always, they help us with the algorithm. Let us know if you're subscribed on Spotify. And the best way of always, if you want to help the show out, if someone is asking for recommendations for podcasts, send them our way we always appreciate when we hear people recommending us on twitter or in person the original social media and speaking of twitter you can find us there at ae podcast and you can find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash attitude era podcast where you will find a whole fuck ton of videos we've got clips from classic episodes current episodes and lots of little previews from our patreon content too kevin have you got a particular favorite recent video that might have taken your fancy absolutely adam unquestionably without question unquestionably it's got to be when we looked at for a deep dive on the history of booger red the actual mm. name 
I was not prepared, nor were you, for a sequel to Journey into the Darkness Speculative Jint on Smackdown Crawl. And you gotta check that video out, it's on the socials. If you have any at all recommendations for videos from this episode, or any episodes that you're listening to recently, let us know at Biblops or at AE Podcast on Twitter. Speaking of Patreon, over 100 hours of audio content to listen to. You've got the Smackdown Crawl, 69 episodes. Nice. You've got the Bibliotech, lengthy, in-depth, multi-part episodes going all the way through the likes of Bob Holly's book, a recent look through Pete Gass's autobiography, Looking Up at the Lights. There's some free samples of both the Bibliotech and the Smackdown Crawl here on the main free feed. Check them out if you like them and you want to support the show for as little as $5 dues a month. You can do so as well. Get access to all of our Q&A episodes. Get access to our video episode series. Get access to Adam and Billy reviewing comics. Get access to all of our commentary tracks where I talk about how I want Uncle Ben to die a quick and painful and efficient death. All this and more available on Patreon and as well, extra little goofs. You can always enjoy things like the The Big Show Show Show, our upcoming Limp Biscuit album review. (laughs) And all I can say, folks, is as Christmas comes, we'll be making sure to give something a little bit extra under the tree here on our main feed for free and as well, lots of extra bits and bobs over on the Patreon page. As always, we thank you for your support. Fan and listener supported. No ads from corporate masters here. We get to talk about the things that we love and get supported by the people we love because of our Patreon page. So thank you all so much for backing us during the pandemic in these trying times. I know it's a it's a strange one for all of us and we appreciate everyone who continues to support and back us in any way, monetary or otherwise. Hey Adam, next time we're going to be celebrating November and heading back for another... Ooh, 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 installment of what I like to call Scoo. <laughs> it's the last ride, chapter two, baby. Coming soon. I better start walking because it's going to be a long walk to get those echoey footsteps to sync up <laughs> right before we start. So I'll be off now anyway, yes, all right? I'll see you there. With love from down under, all the way back to the Attitude podcast here in sunny Manchester, WWA, we hardly knew ye. A fond farewell from me, your old pal Kevin. And a good day from me, Adam Bibolo. Let us lay you to rest. No, WWA, don't go away from me. No. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ruin that. No. (laughs) 